0: This is Corolla Digital.
1: Remember when you had to listen to radio programs on their schedule? But with this podcast, life is better because you get to listen on your schedule. But what about backing up your computer files
0: at home or at work? What's your schedule look like there? You don't need to schedule that either, as long as you have Carbonite. Carbonite backs up your files to the cloud for you automatically whenever you're connected to the Internet. You can try it for yourself free right now at Carbonite.com. There's no credit card required. Plus, if you use offer code CARCAST, you get two bonus months with your purchase. That's Carbonite.com,
2: offer code CARCAST. Hi, folks. I'm Larry Miller, but in a way, aren't we all? And this week on This Week with Larry Miller, I tell you two secrets I've had that I've never told before. Here they are. Love Daylight Savings Time, Hate Halloween. Listen for free through iTunes
3: or the free Adam Carolla app, and I'll tell you why. We'll see you here.
4: Now, it's time for this week's CarCast with your host, Adam Carolla
5: and Motorator Matt DeAndrea. Yeah, get it on. Got to get it on. No choice but to get it on. Mandate. Get it on. And thank you for joining us for a very special CarCast. I'm Adam Carolla. That's Matt. Well, Where is he? Oh, yes. Matt, the Motorator DeAndrea. He's in Las Vegas. He's there at the SEMA show, which just couldn't be bigger. Everybody who's anybody in the automotive industry is representing over there this year. And it's normally huge. This year it's ginormous. And it's one of these things where they always go, well, it's not open to the public. And it's, really? Tell that to the 200,000 fat asses I'm behind in the beer line. I, 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 I've never seen something not open to the public that has 200,000 dudes in flip-flops just walking around not buying anything. But somehow that place is hacked. So anything that has to do with cars, well, it's SEMA. It's where you have to go if you're into cars. Matt is over there. Matt has credentials. Matt is going to be doing a lot of interviews and uh, giving us a full report. First, a little love for one of our new and fine sponsors. Ta-da. Ta-da. Shopping online, baby. It's convenient. Sure. It's easy. You do it from your home. You love the discounts, but what about the coupon codes that never work? Well, That makes trying to save money into a second job. And who wants a job? You're supposed to be shopping from home. It's supposed to be enjoyable. That's why I use TADA.com. T-A-D-A dot com. They post when a coupon was last used by a verified buyer, so you can be sure it actually works. And if you're a car guy, TADA has coupons from Advance Auto Parts, TireBuyer.com, CarParts.com, and more. They represent over 6,400 stores. So electronics, clothes, vitamins, pet supplies, whatever you like. Check out Tada today and start saving. Go to Google and search for Tada.com. That's T A D A dot com and start saving now. Search T A D A dot com from Google. It's the easiest way to save money on your online purchases. All right. We now are going to go to Las Vegas and check in with Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea.
0: Thanks, Adam. Here we are, of course, the SEMA show in Las Vegas. This is going to be the largest SEMA show probably in many, many years. 130,000 people are expected to be here, which is nuts. Uh, Over 2,500 vendors. There's over a million square feet under the roof, which is expanding into the meeting rooms they set up booth, which is crazy. And then uh, I heard there's over 1,500 custom vehicles here. It's like 1,500... Of the best vehicles ever built are here at this event, which is going to be pretty crazy. So let's, uh, let's get started right away. Oh, I will say this, that um, uh, definitely check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash show. And, of course, CarCastShow.com. And we're going to put up a huge photo gallery. It's such a madhouse here that we won't be able to, like, move a camera around and get videos of booth-to-booth. So we're going to do this audio interview and then a whole ton of photos. You're going to love it. But check it out on our Facebook page and on our website. So let's get started with our first interview. All right. We're ready to kick things off with mike and jim ring the ring brothers love these guys do awesome work we're in the royal purple booth and i've been waiting for this car that you guys been working on for a while now you guys brought a pantera and i've been seeing like sort of teaser shots of this i don't know if i was supposed to or not but i've been seeing these these teaser shots some bare metal stuff and i knew you guys were doing this and i'm excited about this thing is sick it's sick tell me what's going on with this car
1: well thanks for having us um we built this car for a lady out of Madison, Wisconsin, uh, that had the car at another shop. Her and her husband took it to a shop, basically to have it restored, not really to do what we're doing with the car, or what we did with the car. And they actually owned a company that did all the highway striping in the state of Wisconsin, uh, hence the car's yellow because of the yellow yeah. stripes. It's amazing
0: how people can make money off weird things. Yeah. I make those plastic tips on the end of your shoelace, yeah. Yeah, but I'm the only guy who makes them. That kind of thing.
1: Um, they took the car to this this other shop and, and uh, just didn't get it done. Well, her husband ended up dying of cancer, and yeah. she really wanted to, to finish this car, so they asked that we go pick the car up, uh, bring it back. We actually tried to talk her out of even doing it. Yeah. And uh, she Why? said— oh, Just, it was a, such a basket case. Oh, yeah. That— and, s-
6: we knew she'd have a lot of money in the car that we, we felt like, you know, they're not an investment. You know, you worry about people's financial. Right.
1: So he ended up passing away of cancer before the car got done. So we finished the car, and uh, her goal was to basically give her a ride in the car, him a ride in the car, and uh, sell the car. I mean, she's, she's not a car person at all. Yeah, uh, matter of fact, she can't even drive a stick, so I don't know how she's going to give him a ride.
0: <laughs> Does she know that she now has like the coolest car out here, like the really, literally, like the hottest car out here?
1: She uh, she's been wonderful to work with. She was here. Uh, if You seen her at the uh, the debut last night. Yeah. She was uh, she was pretty happy. Yeah.
0: So. Tell me about some of the features on this car, and then again, we'll um, we'll put the the photo gallery up there. You guys can take a look at it. So go ahead and just tell me a few of the things that you guys built into this car
6: well they're really honestly there's probably only six square feet of any piece of metal that was left in that car and that's not kidding i think our goal after we decided to do it you know with the end up being a full chassis we grafted to the original honeycomb and then we kind of worked around all that again because it just morphed all these cars just morph and um our goal i guess was to make it a you know it's a 71 but our goal was to make it look like a modern supercar like people would say what is it is it a ferrari is it but it's
0: got a little four gt yeah it's got a little
6: four gt but i think that comes from the headlights that we actually built from scratch i mean the molds for the lenses to the inside you know and we've already had a lot of people say are they gt lights or yeah so no the the hoods carbon the fenders are made from scratch the doors are made from scratch uh the rear quarters, the whole back end, a lot of carbon, some exposed, some not, like yeah. the hood and.
0: So, is all basically all the exterior skin carbon at this point?
6: No, no. The only uh, carbon panels are actually the the hood and like all the diffusers and stuff okay. like that. Aluminum deck, and uh, the rest is steel. And what
0: what engine do you guys put in here?
6: It's actually got a an L S three in it. Oh
0: my god. Yeah,
1: um, <laughs> it's uh oh my god we are getting crucified put a gm engine there if if i'd have told you it was a ford you'd have believed me because it does look like a ford motor i actually Um, i thought you guys i thought i
0: read there was an ls engine in here and i walked up with my brother um, and he's like no it's a ford i'm like look close
1: (laughs) yeah look close we uh we could have pulled the wool over some people's eyes but not everyone so we decided to to tell the truth (laughs) (laughs) man how did you make that decision you know, just uh, to be honest with you, drivability uh, and and the yeah. budget of the car. Um, we didn't have a wide open budget on this car, believe it or not. Yeah. It's, it, you probably wouldn't believe Here, uh, what we built this car like, for. So, the, the
0: cars that you guys are making, and a lot of a lot of the, you know the top five or six, ten hot rod builders. These cars are unattainable financially. Like, you have to build these cars with the support of the industry. You need the sponsors. You need... And if somebody comes to you and they're like, I get you an engine, you're like, yes, I will take that engine. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. what's another $40,000 on top of the budget? You know, it's like... Because you, you have to do it, right? You have we're, to do it.
1: we're usually happy if we only lose 50000 a car.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So now we're going to sell a lot more parts, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, so... Explain to me the partnership or what happened with Nike. Uh, you guys, I always thought you guys had the best interiors, you do the best interiors, but you guys got a little help on this one.
6: Yeah, we had help. Uh, they approached us about a year ago at SEMA, or actually two years ago, they kind of started the conversation about, you know, we kind of like to do an exercise, not that we want to... This is like
0: Nike... Like the shoe company, they have like a Skunk Works. They have like an R&D group, right?
6: Exactly. And really cool, you know, and that we were obviously afraid that, oh, Nike, we're going to be tied up with legal and you're not going to be able to get anything done. It was not that at all. It was just a small group of guys who were really excited and and fun to work with. And they approached us about working together, and we had to think for about... A half a second into yeah. a. I was just going to say, how cool is it <laughs> yeah.
0: that, that they came to you guys we were like, yeah, yeah, we're, we want to be involved with you guys. Yeah. And we're like, y- yes,
6: please. And yeah, uh, we'll do it. They they came and approached us. And Jim's always had an idea of, I want to make a car all about the driver. I, I want to do an interior where it's like, screw the passenger. Yeah. It's not about you. It's the driver. So, right. hence, the uh, it's just separate color altogether. I yeah. mean, even so the door it, panels we gotta are we got to check different. out
0: the photos of this because I don't want to say it's two-tone interior, but literally, like, it's, it's Jekyll and Hyde in there. It's like Harvey Two-Face from Batman or... You know, it's like one side is bright, and the other side is like, we want you to notice it a lot less.
1: We actually, if you notice the car, we didn't even give the passenger an air conditioning vent. I mean, <laughs> they get nothing. It.
0: Sweat it out, buddy. Yeah. Sweat
1: it out. I don't know if you notice the gauges in the car. Um, the car's a 1971 Pantera. Nike started in
2: 1971. Oh,
1: and, I And uh, the gauge, the only number on the speedometer is 71. Uh, <laughs> really? The tach, the only number is 7. And uh, so when you guys get pulled over like
0: I was going either more or less than seventy one. Yeah. That's all I can
1: confirm. Yeah, and they actually found a uh, an original Wisconsin license plate, a yellow one at that uh, that seventy one with a seventy one registration sticker on it, <laughs> and then patinaed it, which is. Wow. On the back, everybody's like, what the hell is that rusty plate doing on that car? Yeah,
0: I see you guys uh, continuing your partnership with HRE Wheels. I love the HRE Wheels. you got the big brakes on it. I mean, you, you really got to check out the photos to see this car, to, to kind of explain it. I can stand here all day and just look out the details of this car. I know you guys are, are have been doing more and more in the carbon fiber stuff. And a while ago, you brought this awesome Mustang onto our show called Producer, the Orange Mustang. It was wide body, but you did it within the inner and outer skins, right? So, so the roof and the interior looked the same, but but the exterior look was wider, but without flaring the fenders. Really, really unique. You guys have a carbon fiber body, a unibody for the Mustang, based off of that. Is this? Tell me about that. Is that well, something that you're we selling? actually
1: didn't use any of the producer car. We we physically built an entire new car to pull molds off of. Yeah, that was
7: cost-efficient. Good job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well,
1: we we made uh, we, what we felt was some good corrections on, you know, some of the body lines and a little bit of stretch of the quarters and, and the way the wheel wells are. It uh, just felt like we tightened it up a little bit. But we're actually, you know, we had a customer call us from Moscow, Russia, and, uh, wanted to have a car i mean i don't even think he really knew what he wanted he just wanted one of our cars Uh and he pretty much gave us free reign to to build him a car and you know mike and i we really like mustangs obviously we always seem to show up with one uh decided to do a full carbon you know version of the producer yeah um and you know (laughs) unfortunately uh the only motor that he would even allow us to put in the car was an LS motor. So we're doing it again all you four guys. But his mechanics over we're there. We're going to edit that out. Yeah. His, his, his mechanic guys, uh, the only thing that they can work on is, a, is an yeah. LS motor. And he said that's it. That's yeah. all I'm going to tell you. you is know, it's going to have that motor. I,
0: I don't mind it. I, I really don't mind it much at all. I, so what, what you guys are offering is basically the unibody shell of a Mustang entirely in carbon. Right, is that the floors and stuff as well? How does how does it work?
1: No, basically uh, the way we did this car, it's kind of clever. Um, you can basically take a 1965 Mustang fastback and drill the spot welds off, meaning remove the quarter panels like you would in a in a collision or any other way. Okay, and uh, m- remove the roof skin and then bond our quarters, which are unicide quarters, which include the a pillar, the roof line, everything goes on in one section. You bolt our wide doors on our wide fenders, and you know the rest of our carbon parts, and you literally have a full carbon fiber uh, sixty-five fastback yeah. that that is done. All of the work is done. So and then the
0: interior structure, where the which interior is, structure is, you, is know, that, you know, up to the you. The subframes and the you use all, is all you could use all metal.
6: existing stock. Yeah. We we are not on this car. Obviously, it's making a thousand horse, but I want to say that. Yeah. Uh, for this guy wanting the Chevy, it's not who the Ring Brothers are. We are Ford guys. We want people to know that. Right. Just because we put something like this in yeah. there doesn't, doesn't well, it's, say we're not Ford it's not, guys.
0: It's not a, like a Ford or Chevy thing. It's like that seems to be where all the tension is, the Ford and Chevy engines. But if you came out with something really, really unique or, or like if you took this Pantera and it had, you know, like some italian engine in it or some ferrari engine in it or something like that people be like well that's that's kind of cool it's just it's just the battle between ford and chevy i think
1: yeah i think that's right and and mike's right we are true blue ford guys i know you are (laughs) unfortunately we can't pick our owners and we can't you know we can't tell them what they're gonna get yeah so
0: Um, awesome so the cars are amazing we're gonna go take some more photos of the carbon fiber body what can, we, what can we do about getting you guys back into the studio? Hopefully, we can do that sometime soon. Hopefully, you can bring a cool car, bring the Pantera down so we can fire this thing up in the parking lot. Last time you guys were there, you're doing burnouts in our parking lot, in our brand-new yeah. brand yeah. brand building. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. uh, he, he's fine with it. He's fine with it. That's, we got guys there to uh, sweep up. Sweep up, sweep up, sweep up yeah. You know, um, I want
1: to be sure to mention, uh, again, Mike and I could never do... These cars, without the help of our, you know, the people that help us, you know, BASF and Royal Purple, um, Flowmaster, and uh, you know, just there's just a whole group of people that help us make this happen. And again, without them, without them, we would have to uh, probably lose a lot more money building these cars. Yeah,
0: and it seems like you guys get the best customers as well.
6: If you get a chance, though, we also have another car here called the Blizzard. It's a 65. Fastback, and you talk about a great customer. Yeah, it's got a Ford engine, were, engine in it. That's got a All nasty. Right, good. <laughs> it's got a Winston Cup motor in it. It's pretty nasty. It is a Ford, um, there you go. but yeah, I talk about you know customers. They are they were amazing, and they actually gave us a plaque. And uh, kids made us uh, wristbands, and pretty special.
1: <laughs> also, a couple out of Buffalo, New York, um, hence the name of the car, Blizzard. Uh, they deal yep. with that a lot, so. It's a it's a nasty little white Mustang with a 710-horse old cup motor in it that was nice. detuned. So we'll on go by ad. and we'll check it
0: out. Yeah. Awesome. Mike, Jim, thank you guys so much. Always a pleasure. Definitely come back into the studio. Hit up these Royal Purple guys. Tell them to load up your, your cars in the trailer and bring yeah. them out there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Thanks for having us. Thanks, guys.
0: All right, we're here with Steve Strope. Steve, you know, uh, everybody's just going nuts about the Martini Mustang that you brought onto the show. We really love that car. I but have. here at SEMA, you're debuting something completely new. I'm taking a look at right now at this killer Camaro. Tell me about this car. This thing's pretty nuts.
3: The, the, the cool thing is there's, there was a lot of talk about it when we brought it out. It's very juxtaposed to the Martini Mustang, but I like doing that. I, I don't build yeah. a car that... The Mustang
0: was very race, yeah, very, minimal very stripped down,
3: minimalistic, and this car is uh, not.
0: <laughs> yeah, the interior is gorgeous, full interior. It's um, so we'll put the pictures up there, but go ahead and explain, like what well, year is the
3: car and. Sure, I'll give you the basic overview. It's a 1972 Camaro, and uh, when when they're looking at the photos of the car, it's. It's not a, a pro-touring car. We never intended a pro-touring car. We intended a GT car. So think uh, Aston Martin. Yeah. Think a Ferrari 599 instead of a 458. Right. It's not the Ricky Racer. It's style, speed, class, performance. The owner said, I want something to go from Bakersfield to Vegas, fast comfortable, yeah. blistering, so um, the car is patterned after a, a, a GT car, and it, so, and just like a true GT car, say an Aston Martin DBS, they have amazing horsepower, braking, handling, and all of the stuff that, that you could whip the car around a corner, mm-hmm. but it's also made to be very comfortable and be a very nice place to drive, and that was the push behind this car.
0: Yeah, it looks like you have... Aston Martin
3: door handles. Yes, we do. It's a Aston Martin tungsten exterior with Aston Martin bitter chocolate leather and Alcantara on the interior. Yeah. And it also has a 1,500 horsepower small block in it from I Tom Nelson. I saw that Nelson.
0: from Tom Nelson. Yeah. Uh, that guy is nuts with his engines. He's but got this crazy alien intake on that's it. That's right.
3: But the cool thing about why this motor fits the ethos of the project is... The genius in the intake, there's 16 injectors. There's two fuel pumps in the tank. When you are driving around, you are on a normal set of fuel injectors driving a small-block Chevy. Mm -hmm. It's not hyper. It's not twitchy. It's not out of control and scary. And when you roll into the throttle and the computer senses boost, the other injectors kick in to make sure there's obviously enough fuel to put up with the demand. The
0: second set of jacks, because it's got twin turbos on it, it. Yeah, and
3: twin turbos. So the point is, is you can drive this down the highway, down the street, wherever, at whatever speed, and it's a very passive car to drive. It's not scary. It's not frightening. Only if you take on the responsibility of leaning into the throttle, do you need to start paying attention? Like you're
0: saying, you roll into the throttle, but if you get on that thing too aggressive...
3: Well, the the point (laughs) being, right now, it's around 1,100 or so foot-pounds of torque, which means at 90 miles an hour, if you were stomped on it, you would break the tires loose. And that's not street talk. That's that's what would happen. So you need to be responsible and understand what you're actually driving around so you don't hurt yourself mm-hmm. or other people. But as far as a comfortable car to drive, what a wonderful thing. And, of course, the insides, DynaMat, DynaLiner, DynaPad, everything's insulated. Yeah. It's quiet. It's nice. And, of course, a turbo car doesn't make a lot of noise. Yeah. It's got a full exhaust system and a set of resonator tips. So when you're, when you're down the highway, and, again, I'm not trying to be facetious, You're doing 110 if you can find a stretch. Yeah. It'll be nice inside with the vintage air on and the stereo running, and it'll just cruise at 110 without trying and without drama. It's got a tall six-speed in it. Modern Driveline built us a a six-speed that they took the internals and had it uh, cryogenically treated and polished, and that helps lubrication. It helps it handle the horsepower. So you got a nice tall gear, plenty of horsepower on tap. So you should be able to do 80, 90, 100 miles an hour just yeah. cruising comfortably. And what sort of
0: modifications have you made to the body? I know you always tackle that. We, and we it's always subtle very stuff.
3: minimalistic on this car on purpose. We didn't want to take away from, the, from being a very just nice second-gen Camaro. Aston Martin DBS handles. Um, the whole front and tail's all anvil uh, carbon fiber. Okay, We obviously modified the hood for the uh, the heat extractors. Um, Played with the front end just a little bit. Uh, There's some mesh intake screens on the bottom for the filtration to go to the turbos. Uh, The back, we've modified the roll pan just lightly and made a raised bead around the exhaust tips. But not a ton. It's actually a lot of focus on crispening the body lines, which is my body man, Mick Jenkins. Bringing out all the highlights in the car, just making a very razor straight, nice car. The
0: the color is great, and it makes those lines pop out. Just yeah, seeing oh it, yeah. and we'll, it, you'll see in the photos that
3: they bring out drop shadow. Is that, what it yeah, does.
0: all underneath the car it looks like it's a completely darker shade of paint, yeah. but it's just where the body line breaks right, and crisp- it brings that shadow from yep. underneath. So mm-hmm. it's it's things like that where you gotta get the right color to show those lines. Yeah. Yep. because so many times it's like it's either too dark or too light, and you has gotta be the right way and the right around the right amount of metallic and stuff. That makes it really cool. Um, so it looks it looks great. Um, thank you uh, so much for being here. Um, we we love to have you guys come back into the studio again and uh, yeah, bring, we'll bring something kind of fun and yeah. I mean, we'll fire it up and, uh, oh, yeah? and get some video with these cars. Sure, it's yeah. so tough to get video at SEMA these days because something oh, like so one hundred thirty thousand people here that we we just can't do it. They're like the cars are constantly surrounded by people that we're just like you know what, let's just. Let's just get a bunch of photos and do this show audio and right. and we'll support it that way. But we'll invite you down to the studio anytime.
3: Yeah, and thank you for the opportunity. Good to see you guys again. Thanks, Steve. See you, man.
0: All right, Alan Pelletier from HRE Wheels. You know, obviously we're big fans of your product you come in and we just totally geek out on how <laughs> to make the wheel yeah. the, the weight of the wheel yeah. and your, your booth is amazing. Yeah. you got so many cool products out here yeah. obviously all wheel products the cars are cool but we're also looking at all the different customization stuff yeah. you guys do the finishes and, and you know we have a, a brush finish which I guess yeah. is all hand
8: done. Yep. Um, what do you
0: guys have you're launching some new stuff out here?
8: Yeah, I mean, well, let me step back. I mean, SEMA for us is a big deal. So, you know, obviously this is our biggest event. This is where we come to show off and show uh, the people how we do everything and all the different options that are available and uh, on the different vehicles and, and uh, all the different styles and everything. And so it, it, this is a, it's a fun week for us. It's a lot of work to get ready for it, but it's awesome to be here. Right. So, And, yeah, you know, we've got our Series P1, which is our top-of-the-line uh, monoblock. And it's uh, was just recently introduced, and it's it's really nice. It's it's gorgeous, and there's uh, four styles. And we just added a new style for the Viper. We just brought that to SEMA for the first time. It's a 106 But what's really really neat about it is, in typical HRE fashion, they're super light. So the um, like a 21 inch wheel weighs right around 21 to 22 pounds. Yeah,
0: that's pretty amazing yeah. for a 21 inch wheel. It right? is.
8: It's really awesome. Yeah.
0: Cool. So. Um, the, the thing that you're really noticing in the booth right now, of course, is, is just all the different the finishes, the yeah. colors you guys are doing. And I know it's just not a matter of of changing powder coat. No.
8: What, <clears throat> what, it, what is interesting is, I mean, we do all the powder coat in-house, but what's, what we are able to do because we have all of the polishing and everything there is actually do the surface treatment underneath the powder to be different. So a lot of the translucents you see here have a, that same brush finish underneath them and everything. Yeah. And that gives... That, you have to brush those by hand? Yeah, absolutely. And it takes <laughs> like three hours. So you, we, for each, each wheel? For each wheel. And so it's crazy. And then, so we, we'll we do this really nice brush finish just like we were going to just do it clear-coated, but then we'll do a translucent blue or a translucent red or something, or that <clears throat> that gold, and it gives it almost an anodized look. And people are like, How do you, is yeah. that powder coat? What is that? And, and that's because of that surface treatment underneath the powder that we're able to do. That... It's difficult for other people.
0: So I, I, I got a question for you about the wheels and how to maintain the wheels. There's, there's tons of products out there of different types of sprays and things yeah. to clean them. But uh, you have, you have a, a powder coat with a texture, like your, yeah. like the, the, the coppers and the flat blacks yeah, the and stuff like that, that has a texture to it. How do you treat that compared to either the powder coat or the brush wheel with a clear coat? That yeah. wheel just looks like I can just wash it and then wax yeah. it.
8: I mean, honestly, for us, most of the time, we we really do just recommend a soap and water. You know, but the powder coats are pretty robust. So if you are going to use like a wheel cleaner, like a Mothers or something like some that, some sort of spray chemical, yeah, it does work. But we still recommend you just agitate it because you're going to, especially on the satins, you're going to want to get. Uh, that texture you're talking about, you're going to get a little bit more dirt put in there. But on the glosses, the gloss basically it's just—it's just soap and water it comes right off.
0: It's—it's—it's it's, it's essentially like a paint at that point, right? Like you can yeah, exactly. It's actually a little more robust. Wax. Yeah. You could wax the wheel, or it's, you could so, yeah. just, it's, it's just like it, it's actually
8: like your car. So your car, when you get it from the factory, is going to have a powder coat clear coat over the top of the paint. And so we're going to have a powder coat, clear coat over the top of the wheel. And so it's the same. It's basically the same thing. But
0: stronger and thicker and more durable yeah.
8: than the paint. Exactly. Now,
0: on your three-piece wheels with the polished rims on it, yeah. you, you just treat that like any other polished rim. Like yeah. you can hit it with soap it's and water fine. and eventually you've got to hand polish it. It's a little... rare
8: nowadays that people actually order just the polish because our polish and clear is actually so close. So almost all of the wheels you see that look like they have a polished lip Actually, your polish and clear coat. It's got a clear coat on and it, and a clear coat. So you yeah. wouldn't want to
0: use uh, like like an actual metal polish no, on it.
8: No, and if you and if you start to and you didn't realize what well, it would come back clear that your rag would wouldn't come back gray. It would just come back yeah. clear, and you're like, what's going on? It's because it's clear coated, and it's not like the clear coat of the old days. And the clear coat of the old days on rims and three piece wheels, it would peel off, and it was actually a liability more than a protector. Today, with the powder coat clear coats and stuff that we have, I mean, it, it is truly robust, and it and it's really really nice. Yeah.
0: So and, and that's just another. Part of the advancement in what you guys are doing for the wheels—it's not just the designs and the lightness and and stuff. It really is the finish, the maintenance of it, and 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 another thing people don't realize—you can't just bolt the wheels onto the car because you have different styles for what the vehicle is. Like you've got you know you've got a Ferrari over there that has a certain type of wheel, but then you've got a different type of wheel for like a Ford Raptor or a big SUV. When you put six thousand pounds of truck. Yeah. onto a
8: wheel, it has to be a different Load wheel. Yeah, definitely. You can't put the same wheels. You don't want to go either way, so you definitely have to make sure the wheel's strong enough to, to put on uh, the vehicle. So, if you're going to do a Range Rover, for instance, that's a much stronger wheel than you would put on a Ferrari. Now, you can say, oh, okay, I can take the Range Rover wheel and put that on the Ferrari, but that's going to ruin the performance of the Ferrari because it's going to be so heavy, so you right. don't want to do that. So, you want to balance the wheel for the application and so if you call in and ask her hey i want this style and i have this vehicle our sales team obviously knows and it's like no 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 i'm sorry but that one's not load rated for that or that one's overload rated for that vehicle and when we can't we can't sell that to you so uh, we don't like to tell people no but you know when it's inappropriate we're not gonna we're not yeah. gonna, or it's not safe we're obviously not gonna do it. it's gonna hurt the vehicle's performance or something we're not gonna do it so um you know it's a di- maybe not the way everyone else does it but it's you know Definitely, very, very, very cool stuff. I appreciate you uh, taking the time yeah. to chat with us, Always and fun, yeah. uh,
0: we'll we'll see you around the see you around the studio again soon. Hopefully. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be great. Thanks, Alan. Hey, Ken Lingenfelter. How are you? I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? (laughs) Oh, I'm doing great. The SEMA Show has been nuts already. We've just been just back-to-back running around this place. There's so many people here. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. um, You guys have a great booth. And I know you've got a bunch of new products. Let's start with your C7 Corvette line. Cool car, by the way. And you guys, I know, are going to make it nuts. You know, we're having a blast with it. Everybody's been
9: looking so forward to the new Corvette. And, uh, you know, we got a little jump on it. A lot of people didn't realize that the uh, motor, the LT1 motor that's in the Corvette is really also in the Silverado pickup truck. So um, I think the customers really couldn't quite understand why Lingenfelder was out at the drag strip with pickup trucks uh, back in February, March. But we were trying to get ahead of the engineering, and frankly, that worked very well for us. Yeah. Uh, We got the pickup trucks. We raced them. We brought them back, put them on the chassis dyno took the engines out engine dyno engines apart engines uh-huh. back together so by the time the c7 did come we were really well prepared with our uh engineering and uh so far so good we're making some big numbers with horsepower so are you yep. like what kind of numbers well you know the engine back behind us here we've got a uh, supercharged engine and we made 720 horsepower with it last yeah. week so we took it off the dyno bring it out here show off to everybody but when it goes back to uh to decatur indiana next week it'll go back up and and we'll make some more we know we got more in it so yeah.
0: so you know we're seeing a lot more cars today that are that the manufacturers need to focus on efficiency so much so we're seeing right. things like direct injection and cylinder deactivation how is that playing a part in in you guys modifying creating more power the tuning obviously when you supercharge it change the exhaust like all of those things have to take into consideration the new technologies on the engine, right? Oh, it's a big deal.
9: I mean, when you think about it, it's a completely different platform than what we were dealing with before. That's why we were so focused on trying to get an early start. Um, You know, in our business, it's very important to be first at things. And so, uh, you know, the fact that we were in a position to to jump on the C7 as soon as it came in, we got a VIP car from GM, so it was one of the real first cars that uh, was released uh, for sale. And um, as soon as it came in the shop, our guys hit it like a trauma team. Yeah. And it's been going full blast ever since then. We have four cars. And every C7, each each of those four C7s is got
0: some different kind of development going on with it right now. Okay. So, mm-hmm. so you're, you're, you're setting them up like you guys got your C7s out at the drag strip. You got them on the road course. You're We've doing been road racing. Obviously street yep. driving because that's where oh, most yeah. of these cars are going to end up.
9: Yeah. We, we actually, uh, the second C7, we got black, black one. Uh, we actually took out and uh, uh, to Grant and Speedway out in by Grand Rapids, Michigan, and really punished the car. And I got to tell you, it was a fun car to drive. But uh, I'm sure you'd hear this out of me, or expect this out
0: of me. Uh, we think it needs more power, of course, so, <laughs> and, and we're doing
9: our best to make more power. Yeah. So,
0: you know, um, you guys do so much on these cars, and you go offer basically a turnkey package. I know that people can order like a parts kit and do it themselves, or go to you and get everything sort of done installed dyno tested tuned and ready to go but of course not everybody can afford that or they just want to get some of that great technology in other vehicles so you have uh, a line of crate engines that you guys are doing now as well
9: yeah you know the crate engine business is something we've always been at we've really promoted it of recent date because of some of the racing we've done we you know we get out to the drag strip, we're out to the road race course and we've had enough customers come up to us and say hey can i have one of those and so uh, we we're a lot more focused on it. We actually just bought a company called Thompson Automotive uh, in Wixom, Michigan. And we'll do we'll be doing crate engine building in Decatur, Indiana, but also up in Michigan. The one thing Michigan provides us with is an opportunity to put a full Lingenfelder shop there, too. So uh, give us one more chance to work with people in the Detroit area. Yeah, it so, sounds like you guys are growing a lot. We're staying very focused and going straight at it, let me tell you, and
0: having a lot of fun doing it. So, okay. And now this other car that we got behind us here we'll get some uh, some more photos of that. This is a rebodied C6 Corvette, is that right? Yeah, you know, the, there've
9: been a lot of people that have tried to rebody Corvettes over the years, but and, from and my perspective what
0: we're talking about is like making it look like a like a 67 63 Corvette and the proportions are always getting really weird when you take when you take a 2006 Corvette and try to make it look like a 67 Corvette.
9: Well, yeah. I mean, you know, the old car, if you get it, we, we park them next to each other in, in the car collection, for example, and the old car was thinner and a lot higher. Uh, but, you know, what it allows people to do is uh, have the uh, the essence of the old car because it yeah. really does look very, very good and very close, but all the conveniences of the new car. It's got airbags, it's got the nice ride, and uh, of course, then it's got Lingenfelder Power, too. So, You take uh, a really good look, and then you put one of our 660 naturally aspirated engines in it or some one of the variant of supercharged engines we do, and uh, if the looks don't hook you, the sound of the motor will, believe me. So.
0: It it's looks like a fun it's a pretty good kid, And you see a lot of like interesting attempts to do it. And I keep thinking back in the day when you get like, uh, you know, when the when the Fiero had like a Lamborghini body on oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. It yeah. looked like one of those micro cars. Yeah. You know, you're like, so somebody squished it in the front and the rear. But now they're they're coming out really good. And, of course, anything that you guys touch and the partners that you guys work with, the quality is off the, well, off thanks. the charts. Well, thanks,
9: Matt. I, you know, obviously, you know, we're 40 years old, and we've got a reputation to keep up. Uh, we've got a very, very strong brand, and uh, as a result, we warrant the work we do, and we look for really, really good partners to work with. And yeah. this has worked out very good. Carl's Custom does the bodies, and uh, we do the engine and drivetrain. And uh, we've had a lot of success. We've showed it at a lot of places, and uh, and the cars are uh, getting great, great, great reviews. So now,
0: We were at, uh, I think it was last year at SEMA, we saw the Camaro with the, uh, with the Pontiac TA conversion that you guys right. did now. That was something you guys did in-house, but that turned out really cool. That's a cool car. So similar to that, you're going to offer this Corvette package just as a turnkey. Somebody can go into the dealer or this particular dealer. Yeah, dealer, actually, Carl's.
9: you know, you know, we're, we're showing them off at a lot of the different car shows around the country. But, yes, they're available at Carl's Customs. They're also available through us. And they can and, uh, just buy
0: the car turnkey right. and ready to go.
9: Every one of them has been a little different custom. You know, everybody's yeah. got their own idea. It's built either to look like a 63 split window car or a 67 with the nice stinger on the hood and yeah. so that's the way most of them have been built they're also available as roadsters though too so uh convertibles are important on the west part of the country and uh so we built a bunch of those also
0: yeah so all right so uh one more question for you see i know ken you have one of the coolest largest most robust car collections anywhere What? What have you added to your collection? Anything, anything really new in there?
9: Well, you know, it's uh, I'm always adding. I mean, uh, to be very honest, with the eBay's like crack cocaine for me. I yeah. can't stay away from. <laughs> it. I'm on it, watching eBay must it, love looking at right? it. Oh, I'm sure they do, and I'm having a blast too. And uh, so we keep those cars sometimes in the other building because once in a while, I people wonder what what I'm doing and why I bought something that's a little strange. But you know, we all have our favorite cars from the past. But uh, the most exciting thing happening is. Uh, uh, Ferrari selected us to be one of the buyers of the new La Ferrari. So oh. I don't know when it's coming, but we'll have one sometime in 2014. That's, That's all they'll that say. great
0: that Ferrari has to select you to be one of Isn't the buyers. Isn't that something? Yeah. We will allow wow. you to give us $2 million yeah. or whatever it is for the car. And you're like, oh, well, thank you. I feel honored that I'm going to give you all of my money. Thank you for selecting me.
9: Well, <laughs> and let me tell you something. I mean, they were very strict. They wanted to know how many Ferraris I'd owned in the past. I sent pictures. I... I needed to make sure that uh, I let them know what a Ferrari enthusiast I was. And the good thing about it is they're trying, I think, very hard to put the car in the hands of enthusiasts yeah. rather than somebody who just has got a lot of money. I don't know. They didn't and call so, me.
0: <laughs>
9: <laughs> Could be the money thing.
10: Could be uh, they might have
9: seen me drive. I don't know. We show off our, our cars a lot. You know, that collection is used for charity fundraisers, and yeah. we have huge success with that. So there's a lot of things, I think, that went into their decision-making. But uh,
0: I just feel pretty fortunate to be one of the It's a great collection. I can't few. wait to see it. The problem is, is, is like we just get so little time to to travel and do this kind of show on the road like really SEMA's our one time we get to hit the road but i can't wait to get up there and see it it's like you can just lock me in there for the weekend and i'll yeah, just I, I, out I want you guys to day. come out
9: i really do because it's that's 30 percent muscle cars 30 percent exotics and the rest are corvettes and other lingenfelder cars that either i raced or my family members raced yeah. and so we uh we're having a really, really, really good time. How many cars you
0: got? How many? How many in that collection now? There's probably 200 yeah. uh,
9: that we keep, but depending on the f- size of the function or the f- our fundraiser, we may move a few in or out to make enough room for you yeah. know, spectators. But uh, it's a solid 200 cars easily. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Yep. Awesome.
0: So, um, Ken, where can we find out some more information about the products and the stuff you guys are working on?
9: Uh, you know, lingenfelder.com is the best place to go. If uh, anybody's interested in looking a little bit at the collection, it's just lingenfeldercollection.com. Uh, but there's a button also on the website to get you directly there, too. So, uh. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Good luck at SEMA. Have fun. Anytime. Thanks, Matt. Great to see you.
0: A, a name w- certainly well-known in brakes, right? For the brake pads, certainly all the high-performance brake pads, every time we go to the track, we're basically picking up Hawk pads, th- the many levels of it. Um, you've got some cool new products going on. You're going to be expanding anything, like you were saying earlier, anything in friction, right?
11: Yeah. We're, we're well, we're well-known for being the best in the friction business. And so we want to expand that. Uh, you know, We want to be a full braking solution. So we're gonna continue to expand on our HPS, our HPP, our LTS, which is for the trucks and SUV, and then our Super Duty lines, uh, as well as our rotors. Uh, We're also looking to get into full kits. And so we're starting with the launch of our new uh, caliper program that we just debuted, this SEMA. Yeah, that looks good. Thank you. (laughs) We're gonna start out with uh, race applications, so build to application, and then eventually we're gonna start creating a full kit solution starting in Q1. Okay, so you guys are basically stepping up
0: into actually making all of the brakes now, and the caliper that you have is, you're supplying the caliper, and I guess you can do a rotor, Mm -hmm. um, but all the bracketry and stuff to mount it right now, because you're targeting race teams and custom applications, people will need to develop those things, because obviously developing vehicle-specific kits is a is a whole nother, that's yes. a whole nother monster like you can go you can you can make a really good caliper you can make a couple different sizes of mm-hmm. rotors, maybe make a two piece rotor you change the hat in the middle but vehicle specific kits it 's like every single year make model it's it 's a huge you 'd be making more brackets and, than anything else, but as long as it adapts the one big caliper that you have mm-hmm. that 's kind of the idea is eventually get to that, but for now that 's such a huge undertaking.
11: Yeah, and in our background, we really are connected with the racer. I mean, we really know the racing market. Uh, we, we are out at the tracks. We have a bunch of our, our partners and our dealers uh, that are out there at the tracks every weekend, you know, from Canada yeah. down to Mexico and all across the world. And, and so we're going to go and, and, and meet the needs of that market first and take what we learn on the track and develop that through an entire program so that you can take it from the track to the street. And, and create a program and a break that really supplies the needs or, or meets the needs of a customer that wants just extra performance on the street, maybe yeah. takes it to the track once a month, or for a guy that wants to go out and beat it up every single weekend. So, do you guys have it, do you guys have sort
0: of like a step one, step two, step three that you can recommend? Like, step one would be just take your car, improve. The braking performance—I don't know, ten percent, five percent—by going mm-hmm. to a better pad, and mm-hmm. then from there maybe a pad and rotor, and then from there eventually your a, a, your brake kit.
11: Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, a lot of people when they get the cars, you know, there's certain modifications that happen right off the bat. You know, maybe you tint the windows, maybe you lower it, yeah. you exhaust, and and so a lot of people want to go fast. Of course, at that point you have to stop it, and and sometimes in the mindset of car enthusiasts, we want to go fast. We want to look good first. And then you start thinking about stopping later. Yeah. Uh, we want to be in that forefront of that decision-making process. So we really have to, you know, we have to have that offering. They've spent a significant chunk of money at that point, And we really want to have an offering. And that's where you say, you know, stage one, maybe is pads, right. um, a lot of people now are going pads and rotors, because they want something along the line of a rotor that suits the need of the pad as well because you can have pads that low dust low wear but you maybe not as much performance on the stopping side if you choose a pad that's too much on the race side like our tt uh, dtc 70s it's going to start eating through rotors it might not perform the way you want on the street so yeah you know so do you, what's the lineup of the pads now what's what's the street pad You'll have our, is that the HPS? That's the HPS is our most popular. You also have the PC, which is our performance ceramic, and then you okay. also and then for the trucks you'll have LTS, which is is a great pad. Uh, it does really well for us in the truck market. Um, these guys that are towing maybe a race car, towing horses out throughout the middle of the country, yeah. whatever it may be, the the LTS and then our SD, uh, which is the severe duty, really. Are are excellent for the trucks,
0: right? The trucks, especially, it's kind of an overlooked thing because yeah. as soon as you start lifting it, put a bigger tire, you know, any anything, even you know sort of the off road tire, you're adding that much weight, and mm-hmm. it's so much harder to stop. You know, maybe you're not ready to spend three grand on a huge brake kit, but at least to start. Putting a better pad on there, just anything to improve. You have to sort of make back for that performance that you lost by lifting it or putting yeah. in a bigger wheel or bigger tire. The
11: rotational inertia. When you start putting on the big tires and and then you take the lift, you lift the truck up or big wheels, whatever, whatever adds weight and increases your rotational inertia. You need to stop it, and so it'll put definitely more wear on a factory. Pad and rotor setup, yeah, and so you know, like you said, it's a relatively simple upgrade. It's not a lot of money comparatively. You can get a, a good pad and rotor and significantly upgrade your performance in the stopping department.
0: Right. So on on the, on most of the street cars, the the HPS pad is a slight upgrade above what would be like a, an OE pad.
11: It's a it's actually a considerable upgrade. The HPS is is a really good. Pad it, it kind of starts to put it well. It starts to push the limits of right where do you start to sacrifice noise, okay? uh, and then you know brake dust because everybody wants a a pad that stops like a race car, but they yeah. don't want to deal with the dust. They don't want to deal with the noise, and so this that pad is really designed to kind of push that envelope of street ability i know i know the next step above that is that a race pad or is there still something in between you, you go into like an hpp which is an autocross pad it, it that's okay. a guy that's autocrossing it periodically it might give up a little bit of noise yeah you know many right but it's
0: still you can run it on the street it's still a could, pretty decent street you, pad
11: yeah you could run it on the street if you wanted but you're going to give up dust and noise
0: okay and then from there, you started getting, you into, start the race getting and, into the you know, DTCs. And you could hear it, like oh yeah. you, I, you run some cars on a race pad. You could hear it, you could feel it, mm-hmm. and it's it's a significant amount of bite. And you don't realize that, like how much is in the pad, like how much control of your braking yeah. force is in the pad by changing, stepping up to a a better quality or maybe just a more aggressive pad, not necessarily quality, right? A more aggressive friction material.
11: And and frankly, you start running into potential safety issues. So, you know, you have to have that pad into its optimal operating temperature. And if you don't, you might not have full braking capabilities at first. So those are just some things to really consider. The, The mindset, myself included, you know, you really want to go bigger is better kind of mindset you want to go straight to the best but sometimes you have to take a step back with maybe somebody that knows one of our dealers or or one of the people here at hawk to really say okay what are you doing what kind of car do you have maybe you don't need an NGN nascar pad that we make you know you don't need that for your street driven car that you drive hard you know most of us will never even see the speeds or the braking needs that that pad could deliver right so uh uh, another
0: question for you is uh-huh. if if I if I'm have a car that I occasionally track, let's mm-hmm. say a couple times a year, it's my street car, I occasionally track the car. When if I go to the track and I swap my pads to a more aggressive track pad, run the car for a day or two, are those pads done or or can they be reused and then can I go, you know, can I put 5,000 miles on my street pad, switch to the race pad, then switch back to the street pad, or is it just because the, the way the wear patterns are?
11: Yeah, I definitely... I, I would recommend not doing not that, doing that. Yeah, so, because yeah. of the wear I patterns I mean it's not that big of
0: a deal it's like yeah. 60 bucks right or something you know it, for a it, set it of pads depends. and that's the cost of of racing and switching back but I was just wondering if it, it and I'm sure probably some people do it it's probably I guess not recommended what but you're saying definitely is, not
11: recommended is, but don't put
0: 5,000 miles on your street pads switch to a set of race pads run them for the weekend yeah. you're thinking oh they're so good I'll save them for the next race day in six months from now don't do that.
11: I guess ideally would be better to swap out the entire <laughs> rotor and pad, you know, so that they're matched. Yeah. But, yeah, I wouldn't recommend it, definitely. Because the, okay. the characteristics of a race pad versus a street pad are, are totally different. They're going to, you know, the more aggressive you go with the metallic content, you're going to start to chew through rotors. Uh, so it will definitely create a different wear pattern. Okay.
0: And now the, uh, the caliper that we were taking a look at... Um, mm-hmm tell me a little bit about that caliper. This is, you basically just have the one caliper in the lineup right now because you want to make it Correct. as universal as possible, but it's big. It's like six piston. Yeah. Right.
11: Yeah. So we'll have, we'll have two versions of a six piston and we'll also have a four piston. So it's going to depend on application. It's going to be, depend on your braking needs. Um, at this point, like I said, we're targeting the race team. Yeah. And and so these guys typically have it all sorted out what they need as far as, you know, here's the weight of my vehicle. Here's the temperatures that I'm operating at, and and you know here's the distribution that I have weight front to rear, and they'll come to us and basically tell us what they need, and then with the six pistons we can have a 13 to a 14 inch rotor, or we have a 14 to a 16 inch rotor, and then the four piston you know 16 is, inch rotor yeah up to a 16 inch rotor. <laughs> you need a that's huge. You need yeah, a big wheel for that. It's it, it's, it's huge. You need a big, big wheel, wheel yeah. but that's the that's the direction it's going. Um, Especially as you get more into the high-performance supercars, yeah, you're starting to see more. You know, cars are coming stock with a 15-inch plus rotor on yeah. them. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, what's going to be the limit? Like, you see, like where we are with with wheels now. I'm like, you're 22, 24, got a 30-inch wheel, and then it gets to be ridiculous. I mean, you can keep going. You can keep going before it looks ridiculous. What, what, where's going to be the? I mean, at this point. When is the rotor just not making much sense? When it's 17 inches in diameter, is it really
11: any, is it really doing anything at that point, or are you just uh, spinning so much weight? Well, I think for me, and this is I, to say, where's the limit? I don't know because if you would have asked me that 15 years ago, I would have told you, oh yeah. my gosh, a 17 inch wheel is just yeah. overboard. The limit is 12.5. Yeah, so you know now we're looking at brakes that are, you know, Bentley's 16-inch rotor, 16 and a half inch rotor. Yeah. But I think what is driving the size of the rotor and the performance of the brake is the performance that we're getting out of these cars that are weighing so much. So you're actually now with Mercedes and Bentley and Porsche, you're able to get an incredible amount of performance out of a car or a GTR is a great example out of a car that is not light. You know, GTR is weighing four thousand pounds. Yeah. And it, in order to stop that and make a car handle like that, you have to be able to bring it to a halt. So you need a big break to dissipate heat. Uh, you need a lot of surface area. What, when do we go to
0: a ridiculous setup where we have a 16-inch rotor and two calipers? And then the calipers are basically, if you can actually get them to function exactly at the same time. Yeah. You know? Because I'm seeing calipers that are huge, like an 8-piston caliper, and it, it starts to wrap around almost half, half the rotor. Like, it's, it's a huge caliper that's just hugging half of all of it. When do you go to two calipers?
11: <laughs> yeah, you, you know, I I was we've always thought about that. You always think how do you reinvent the wheel, so to speak. Yeah. You know, in this case, how do you reinvent the brake? And and I think as we get more technology, more safety equipment on a street vehicle that's going to do that has this incredible performance capability, I I think the industry as a whole is going to have to start rethinking how we do things. You know, what are you going to how are you going to stop these cars? How are you going to assist maybe a traditional brake package? Are there things out there that completely out of the box thinking you know just something set an engineer turn them loose put them in a in a in a a office and let them go at it and you know tell them just to go for it i I think that's where we have to start thinking about it there
0: could be there could be a a case for saying we can go to a big six or eight piston caliper Mm -hmm. but is it is it actually lighter to do two small four piston calipers on a setup i mean maybe maybe it is because when're when you 're when you're going to something like a huge eight piston
3: yeah, and, or maybe there 's a
0: safety issue where there 's like where, where one fails and and then the other one still gets pressure and it 's a backup that could yeah. be interesting i don 't know if that's possible i
11: don 't know i mean it, you really have to. You have to start taking a look at everything because you start getting into weight. Now people are trying to figure out how do we shave more weight out of these cars because you're you're adding more weight in the electronics in these cars and traction control systems and stability. And, I mean, they use uh, ABS speed sensors now for uh, traction control and analog. Yeah, that's a big thing on cars. You have all this weight that we're adding to these vehicles to get the performance out of them or to get the safety out of them. And then you have incredible technology and engines. and I mean, going electric now. I mean, batteries aren't light. So. so and the traction control,
0: like I was saying, is, is a big thing on cars. It's not all about like traction control was, a, in, in its early days was things like pulling out timing and things like that to reduce power. And now it's a lot of braking and stuff. And I think I think it's the C Seven Corvette where it, it uh, the McLaren does this as well. It, it 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 when you drive that car on a track, it applies a little bit of braking pressure on the inside wheel without you doing anything to get the car quicker around that corner. If you can slow that inside wheel around a little bit, the outside will spin around it faster. So they're using braking to improve their handling performance without the driver even being able to get their hands on Like you can't yeah. you can't
11: mess with it. Like that's part of it. It's funny when you go out to the track, you start talking to some of these guys now and they're trying to figure out, because it's not just as simple as pushing off a button now and yeah. getting all the systems to turn off. You know, you with the Corvettes especially, you can hit the button, it'll pull out most of the systems. They're trying to figure out ways to actually get everything completely turned off so they yeah. can try to get that that real seat of the pants feel. It's it's um, like you're saying it's tougher to do but
0: only the best drivers can should be able to do that anyway you know yeah. when you get into any one of your modern supercars or or even even the new Mustang has like various stages of of traction control and you kind of have to like stop the car and hold mm-hmm. the button down and it gets a certain amount of traction control i know the McLaren is the same way I, we get to drive it around i got to drive it around the track at auto club speedway a little bit on the infield there and it was fun and in its track mode and in versus street mode and stuff it, it changes the track control a little bit, but from there, you actually have to go into the interface and get to sort of the track apps kind of deal in there, and you can turn off more of it or almost all of it. I think you can do it, all of it, yep. but it's not its not a button. It's not something you hit on the dash. You you it's something f- you have to plan ahead. Yes. You're know, like, I'm actually going to the track, and yeah. I need to sit here and get some sort of English computer programmer from McLaren to walk me through it, and, mm-hmm. and you can get to it. But its it's interesting how braking is playing a big part of that yeah. um, I think even on uh, like a Ford Focus ST all that, that front wheel drive torque steer, they try to compensate with some of that torque steer by not just the differential that they put in but they're applying brake pressure to almost simulate removing some of the torque steer Yeah. and I think they do it with braking which is interesting, it's kind of cool, I don't know if that
11: wears the brakes down yeah. or one side more than the other eventually but yeah, I'm, I'm sure they figured that part out it, and it's interesting because, you know, what it all comes back to is the braking plays such a big part in confidence. Um, you, you, brakes, good brakes, will make somebody that's uh, maybe a slightly above average driver look like a really good driver. And the traction control systems, I mean, that's why it's theirs because they're putting so much performance into even, like you said, the Focus ST. I mean, you, nobody would have... Thought of saying that a Focus was a performance car, and now it's actually a pretty fun car yeah, to go it is out and drive. Yeah, it's a fun car. I drove the heck out of it; it was fun. Yeah, yeah it's cool. But, you know, I mean, with all the performance that's being offered out there, you got to find a way to control it. And and you know, you put it in the hands of the average guy, you know, the average person. They want to make yeah. it as drivable as possible, and, and good brakes is part of that. Traction control, everything else is part of that, and that's what we want to do: is you know, take everything and offer something for the true enthusiast to step it up a little bit more. You know, the guy that wants to get more performance out of the car, not only in in speed and handling, but in braking ability because you have to stop it. Yeah. Well, listen,
0: I'm I'm excited about what you guys are doing, some of the new products that are coming out. Where can we uh,
11: follow along and maybe check out your website? Uh, We actually have a new website that should be launching in about two and a half to three weeks. Okay. So it's uh, www.hawkperformance.com. And uh, we can check it out there and we will have that new one up soon. All right, cool. Thank you so much, Guy. No problem. Thank you.
0: Right, right, I'm happy to welcome back to the show. Nate Shelton from the B&M Group. Now, since the last time we, we spoke, B&M's been growing, right? You've got b and you've got Hearst, You've got yep. Flowmaster exhaust yeah. now. Yep. Um, Her drive-line conversions. conversions right? Yeah, and, which used uh, to be the
2: old Chevy, you know, f- uh, four speeds. I'm sorry, Chevy four, five speeds and six speeds and the old Mopar five-speed okay. and six-speed company. Yeah, we just renamed it. So let's start with the B&M stuff. What's new with b I well, know you've B&M, got some new products. Yeah, we do. We have some pretty cool uh, products in the b program. We've got that whole new what we call Cool Tech program, which is the uh, deep cast aluminum pans, as well as we've got a... A whole line of differential covers that we're coming with within that program, and I saw some of those.
0: Those are those are fins, yeah. dip covers. So the it has girdled. sort of a, co- a cooling
2: effect to it. Yeah, yeah. They're made out of an alloy that's about twenty uh, percent more efficient than than the the most of what everybody else is using. It, it just it cools seems clear. like a
0: good inexpensive way to add some cooling properties to the rear end and transmission and things like and that. Without, strength. And Without strength. doing. An actual external cooler and pumping right.
2: fluid through Absolutely. it and do the whole thing. So it's kind of a, a cool way of doing it. I do like that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. They're neat products. They really are nice, nice products. So yeah.
0: And those are uh, available now for at least the mainstream. Yes. Automatics yeah. and yeah, the rear. Yeah, your Ford.
2: You know, all your Ford eight inch and nine inch stuff. You yeah. know your Dana's, uh, that type of thing. Ten inch and you know rear ends, all that kind of stuff. Okay. So, and what are you guys doing new on the shifters? We've got two new shifters. We've actually brought out a shifter for the. Actually, two shifters for the 67 and 68 Camaro that are both the uh, console shifters. Uh, they bolt right into the stock original consoles, and they look like they're part of the car, but then you get that, uh, you know, you have the lockout and the ratcheting action and all that kind of stuff in the shifter. Yeah, that's kind of cool because before, you couldn't do much with the console, you know. It's, right.
0: It, and it's, that shifter has that weird kind of shape to it. Right, it has that horseshoe shape. That horseshoe shape yeah, to it. Yeah. And, um, and if you want to keep it stock but to get that... The better quality of the of the shifting mechanism, the feel for it, right? Um, that's kind of a cool idea. I do like that a lot.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing is uh, the starter program that we we're just oh, bringing okay. out in the in the BNM program, high torque gear reduction type starter program. Most of the you know main numbers uh, be it'll be blue, so that's kind of cool for the Ford guys. <laughs> for the Ford guys, yeah. blue starters. Yeah, and it's going to be very reasonably priced. You know, it's going to be right in there. I think I'm hearing around the hundred and you know five dollar range. So it should be. Okay. should be a nice part uh, as far as that goes too. So.
0: And I'm sure that'll be for just the whole lineup of, it will be. of, of engines and yeah, absolutely. manual transmissions, automatic transmissions. Yes. Yep. Um, that's good. And then uh, we talked about uh, on the Flowmaster side, you've got some cool things going yeah, on. Yeah, we've
2: got a lot of cool things going on, the Flowmaster line. You know, we've got the, the new header program, which we just uh, just announced a uh, LS, an LS header conversion header. And they have both a long tube and a short tube. We do have a uh, CARB certification on both the uh, late model Ford and late model Camaro header, which is kind of cool. And as you know, those are real heavy, 3-8-inch flange, yeah. uh, 409 stainless tube, 16-gauge uh, 16, uh, 16 tube, with our ball flange uh, collector and everything on it. So you do they're gasketless. You don't have to worry about putting a gasket in the thing.
0: And it's because it's basically emissions legal, it's a shorty header, Yes. Um, it'll bolt up right up to the stock exhaust or, obviously, any one of the the Flowmaster kits that you guys offer. That's right. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yep. You, we were talking about the sort of redesigned uh, HP2 mufflers as well. I'm and really excited
2: about that one because that's been characteristically the muffler that all the Street Rock guys have used because it's fairly small and compact, will fit yeah. into a nice area. It always kind of had like little... a nice, deep, big, big block kind of sound to it as well. Yeah, it to... does. Yeah, it really does. But it had a little bit of a – kind of looked a little bit like a resonator or a – Catalytic converter or something. Yeah. Well, the new one, the new one, which is exactly the same internally, has kind of a square shape to it. is a, is only has a logo on the one side, so you can clock it, so you put the logo up or down, whichever you want to do, <clears throat> and is and looks just like the frame rails do. Very very smooth. There was only one seam in the whole in the whole body of the of the uh, uh, muffler. So it's the perfect custom car uh, uh, street rod uh, muffler. In fact, like I was telling you, there's a paramount here on this car. And we're getting a lot of the, a lot of the uh, custom car street rod guys to use these now. So.
0: Yeah. Now, of course, you, you guys are constantly developing new kits because uh, this, this is the problem is when you're in the exhaust business or like an intake business, yeah. you have to develop for new kits. Oh, absolutely. Like, how, many, how many kits do you have to develop every year?
2: We're doing 15 to 25 new part numbers. Now, that's not always just kits. That includes our catalytic converters, uh, sometimes new mufflers. But we're we're developing between fifteen and twenty five of those a month. A month. A month. <laughs> we've built over two hundred new systems since we've had Flowmaster. Right. That's it's a lot of work. It is. It really is. Were you expecting that much work? <laughs> well, uh, uh, no, not that much. But we did know that there were some things we had to do. Yeah. We they were they were pretty far behind on kits when we first got here. And, really. And so yeah, so because... we really had to pick up the pace on mufflers. They're the king of the hill on mufflers. I mean, yeah. We probably have a sixty five percent share of performance muffler business, but they were behind on the kits, so we really had to get after the kits. And the, when you guys just started expanding to the uh, the HP-2
0: mufflers, which um, some people will know it as, was originally Hush Power, right? right. I think I right. switched to the HP-2. And then the HP uh, Pro, Series. Pro Series, I also like that a we lot. We just
2: call it Pro Series now. And now it's just Pro Series, yeah. 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 It's kind of a shorty, round kind of muffler. Right, but it co- comes in all the way up to 5-inch diameter. Yeah. So it's kind of the muffler we use in like the diesel kits and, and all of that type of you know, uh, now, kits. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but that one was also designed to have sort of a cool shell, the casing around it, right? We incorporate the cool shell technology in, in both the HP, Super HP 2... And in the pro and in the pro series muffler, and in the uh, I forget the name of our import muffler. Uh, v the um, all the DBX names are is. changing. Yeah, uh, I forgot. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, and and in that muffler, yeah. And basically, what it is is a double shelled muffler, and we put a ceramic wool between the two shells, and it actually keeps the surface of the muffler considerably cooler. That muffler will never get above about three hundred degrees, whereas a stock muffler can get six, eight hundred degrees on it.
0: Yeah, and that's actually a huge difference, especially. When you're running some of the older muscle cars, the mufflers are usually underneath, kind of the floorboard area, or underneath the rear seat where the right they transfer a lot of heat. Kind of kicks up, and you could feel that heat inside. Like some of the new cars, like the new Mustangs, have the mufflers in the back, very short. It's like a muffler with a tip on it, so it's if anything, it's heating up the trunk and not really the the, you know the the, the the interior of the the car. car, Yeah, but uh, on, on the older cars. A lot of the old muscle cars, my '65. Yeah. Well, all was the thing, hot rod stuff you, gotta
2: remember, you, I mean, you got to remember—you just got fiberglass bodies in those things and fiberglass floorboards, and you get that muffler kind of tucked up in there, nice. It's going to transfer a lot of heat up into the cab of that vehicle. Yeah. So, yeah,
0: yeah, you guys uh, must have to offer for the uh, for the Cobra kit car market
2: a, a side pipe, like well, a believe cool, it or not, yeah. Side we're doing pipe. that cool cell technology for side pipes too. Yeah, so it's really neat. You can actually get your leg out and uh and uh, and put it right against it and not burn and the not leg yourself, you know yeah so you don't get that cobra bite like they said everybody used to talk <laughs> about yeah you know? that's right cobra bite <laughs> um, or viper bite too remember there was a yeah. viper Yeah and, and that was
0: it. in behind like it's it's fiery yeah. glass shell that yeah, to get hot yeah
2: no crazy kidding. hot
0: i'm surprised it doesn't catch on fire or burn up oh, we were very surprised something.
2: too yeah yeah <laughs> we have a we have a muffler that'll slide down in those tubes now and and we'll keep them pretty uh, pretty, pretty cool.
0: Okay. Now, do you guys have uh, uh, new new stuff going on with the Hurst driveline conversions? Because this is something that uh, I, I don't know how many people do know about is the Hurst driveline conversion is an all-in-one package. You can do a six-speed manual transmission, usually from Tremec, the clutch. We,
2: we've changed that a little bit. Those uh, We have those kits completely available for all the early Chevys, you know, 66, 67, Nova, 67 to 69 Camaros, uh, sixty. You know, all the early Chevelles and all the Chevelles, uh, uh, as well as we now, we're bringing back the A and B B, uh, bodied uh, 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 Mopar stuff too. And then we're also developing new Mustang stuff as well. So we're going to be start doing some four kits as well. So we're pretty excited about that. The other thing we did though is you do not have to buy in a complete kit anymore. Okay. If you want just a shifter, we'll sell you just a shifter. If you want, uh, if you want, you know, if you want any component out of those kits, we will sell those individually now. But we can also, from a technical standpoint, help you all the way through the installation and get you everything you need yeah. to build a complete kit if you want it that way.
0: Yeah, I think that's great because. Um, but it- some, the new the new six speed transmission, some of the new ones from Tremec, like their TR 6060 yeah, or they're calling it a fifty six Magnum, Magnum in, the, T-56, in the aftermarket. Right, uh-huh. In And the aftermarket's the Magnum. It shifts a lot smoother than the old version of the T fifty six, and a lot And now stronger. it's becoming so much more desirable to have yeah. in the car because it it smooth it, it shifts smoothly. The clutch isn't bad when you go to a dual disc clutch. Right. The, the pedal effort. Well, not we can even more. give you a
2: hydraulic clutch setup in that in that yeah. car with a dual disc clutch, so you get all the clamping power you need in the whole world and and you know you, you know those things are good for 1100 horsepower so
0: i know no it's great and i i think they come in um uh, like at least two different gear ratios sort of a close ratio yes you have more a, close, of a road race
2: guy and then and then you have a then you have a wider wider ratio right yeah.
0: which is great on the freeway it has like a point fifty six gear yeah it's a double and,
2: overdrive so i mean you can you can be running down the freeway now at about you know 1800 rpm you know with a 600-horsepower motor at seven, that's 70 miles an hour, you know. Right,
0: to get 22 miles of the gallon with yeah, your exactly. 700 horsepower.
2: Yeah, no kidding, yeah. And do
0: it in your old muscle car, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm looking forward to some of those as well. We've got, uh, uh, I, I think that... The six-speed conversions will be are They're, they're uh, wonderful kits. They're really
2: nice stuff. Now.
0: It'll, be, it'll be a popular item because the transmissions have gotten so much better now. Oh, yeah. And when you go to a hydraulic clutch and things like that, it's going to work oh, yeah. so much better.
2: Yeah, it's so easy to drive. Yeah. So you guys got this huge booth. It's a madhouse in here. There's people everywhere. Isn't, isn't SEMA unbelievable? <laughs> we could be hundred and thirty-five or 140,000 people here yeah. this year. That's the biggest SEMA show in history. I mean, it's just this. This is the largest gathering of small business. It's the it's the largest trade show in the world
0: of ev- of any industry. Any, though any, any industry. industry. In so, any industry. The largest gathering of small than, businesses. We could be bigger matter.
2: than the CES show this year.
0: Yeah, was the CES really that big? I have never oh, gone yeah. to it.
2: CES is traditionally the biggest show in Las Vegas. Yeah. and every year we're close to them. Um, so this year we're going to be either real close, or we might be just a little bit larger than yeah. them this year.
0: Now, in talking about SEMO, we have to mention the fact that you definitely have a big role. Yeah, I,
2: I, <laughs> I should say that, sure. Yeah, I'm chairman of the board now. There you go.
0: Yeah. He's, he's the man. <laughs> um, that's great. So it's a great show. It, 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 I I was heard. I heard it was something like 130,000 people are going to be coming through here, yeah. And I think I bumped into every one of them. I think
2: I have too. <laughs> but like I said, maybe, maybe even as many as 135 or 140,000. Yeah,
0: uh, but it doesn't it's spectacular. feel spectacular. It doesn't feel as as big as as cramped that it did like in 06. And I think there was a lot of like... Well, the people big, the, the really big show, I think, in. was
2: 08, I think's what everybody used to say, but but believe it or not, we're gonna have more people. Than we have in 08.
0: Yeah, and I I don't know if but you've, you've been, been up- expanded. Like I saw in some of the meeting rooms, have expanded that there's booths in there.
2: Yeah, have you been over to the LVH? Yes. I mean, the, we've got all the new all the new booths and all those guys over in that area. Uh, now, and if you go upstairs, you can't just walk down the bridge anymore. You got to weave in and out of rooms full of just full of exhibitors. Yeah, they're so everywhere. They're just yeah, yeah. They're
0: like in the nooks and crannies of everything. Yeah, I think we everywhere. went up.
2: Uh, I think we went up something like six hundred new exhibitors this year.
0: Good. So, what are we at? Like twenty five
2: hundred? Oh no, 20... it's like thirty five. I oh, think really? it's like Like 3, 3,400, something like <laughs> it. Over 10,000 10 by ten booths. Wow. Ten thousand booths. 10,000 10x10 10 10 booths. What's the square footage of this place? Well, they say uh, net, it's it's at 1.1 million net, meaning everything is covered by a booth. Uh, gross, it's quite a bit higher than that. Yeah. And you guys are all out in the parking lots. Or it's like, oh, yeah. And then the... There's cars everywhere, but it's not. I heard I heard over 1,500 cars outside. No, period. Oh, just in period. Show. Yeah, 1,500. Still cars. think about it. Yeah. Where where can you go? Any place in the world and see 1,500 custom cool cars that's in one thing. place? Every
0: one of those cars has a shitload of work done. That's right. It. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: That's like you know you sit here and you look at these three here. You know, there's got to be what $2. <laughs> two and a half million dollars worth of cars car right here, right in front here you. just yeah. right here. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: you there's know? there's another. Fourteen hundred ninety something of them out there. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, uh, Nate, thank you. I appreciate the time. This has been fun. We we'll definitely have to uh, have you guys come back down and, and hang out with us in the studio. Oh, we'd love to. Um,
2: hey, you know, one more thing we got to talk about. Not to interrupt you. Yeah. PRI this year, you got to go to PRI. PRI is off the hook. We already got people in all the aisles and everything at PRI. PRI, we're up about, uh, we're up about. Um, like 18 or 20% in, in vendor sales already this year. PRI it's, is at Indy this, right? this year, right? That's going to be Indy this year. You know, we P- bought PRI and you know, we, SEMA, bought PRI and bought IMS, and we're putting them both back together this year. So and it's going to be the biggest PRI show in history. P- PRI... Is similar
0: to the SEMA show, but it's it's a little bit more race
2: oriented. It's very more. It's much more race oriented. It is called the Performance Racing Industry Show.
0: So it's a lot of the same vendors, but they're rolling out but different type with, of products. They come
2: with all the really hardcore race stuff. No, yes. That's the
0: difference. All the stuff that makes your teeth your teeth chatter yeah. when you're driving in the car. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> none, none, of the, none of the soft stuff. It's yeah. all. Right, the loud. Yeah, hard. Not,
2: not a lot of not a lot of pretty seats or any of that kind of stuff. It's yeah. all it's all about let's go racing. You I know? know.
0: So and uh, PRI show is typically in uh, Florida, right? For the it past used to few be in years. Florida, huh? Uh,
2: before that, it was in Indy, and uh, what they did is they were redoing the convention center in Indianapolis, so they had to move. So they went to Florida, Orlando, Florida, for a while, uh, but but Indy's the spot for it. You know, yeah. Indy's the the center of. It's of, kind of the of Everything hub. we do from yeah, yeah, from, the from, from, Yeah, it's the center of this country for racing. Yeah, you're right. Awesome. So That's the right place to that for it to show. be
0: That comes up quickly though, right? It's <laughs> about like four weeks. It's about four weeks. So yeah, you're going to pack up all your stuff here and start driving I mean, out. The we're, <laughs> yeah,
2: almost. We're literally. I mean, we literally go from here. I've got a. SEMA board meeting in two weeks back at uh, Clemson University. We're going to go to CUI car. And then two weeks behind that, we're, we're in Indianapolis for the you know, PRI. I'm sorry. not sure if
0: I'm going to make it. It's too soon. <laughs> it's too soon and it's too far away for me. But yeah. this is what I love about SEMA is you can get all this great information here. Absolutely. Um, so, Nate, I know you have you have so many brands. Uh, let's let's throw out some of the websites for these
2: brands. Okay, sure. Uh, BMRacing.com, www.bmracing.com. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure I remember them all, but www.hirschshifters.com. Okay. Um, <coughs> I think it's FlowmasterMufflers.com. It's FlowmasterMufflers.com. That's, That's right. right. Yeah.
0: Uh, do we know what Hurst Driveline Conversions is? Is it Hurst Driveline Conversions?
2: Uh, yeah, I believe it is. I believe it's Hurst drive line yeah. Conversions.com, I think. And
0: Hurst Shifters is Hurst dash shifters. There you go. There okay. You go. So yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to remember them <laughs> all. you know. I'm, I'm actually cheating I'm looking at notes and business cards and things like that. <laughs> What's well, actually
2: it. Hurst? dash drivelines.com too
0: oh there you go, oh, Hurst drivelines
2: and that's um, just www com.
5: <laughs> nate thank you so <laughs> thank much you. it's been a lot of fun
2: thank you it has been a lot of fun appreciate it good seeing you guys again
4: great to have you here. Uh, Thanks.
0: (laughs) Should I I interview you? Yes, we should interview you. We're at the Chevrolet Performance Booth with Dr. Jamie Meyer. How are you, buddy? Hey, great to have you. Thanks for coming by. Always good to see you. (laughs) Wow, he's on. Let's (laughs) go. Jamie's on. (laughs) So this booth is huge. It seems like it keeps growing a little bit larger every year. Maybe that's just me, but it keeps growing. Like, you went around the corner, and I see a whole line of crate engines and stuff going on. But what I'm noticing is you have trucks all over the place this year.
4: Yeah, thank you. Well, first of all, the designers are working on this Chevrolet display. Uh, really, it takes 12 months to get to this point. So it's, <laughs> as crazy as it sounds, as soon as we get back home to Detroit, they start tearing this thing apart and making it better for next year. But, yeah, we've gone around the corner. There's Garage Base, and certainly there's a lot of Silverados. It's a super important product to Chevrolet. There's a big launch. Uh, We are huge in the truck business. Again, the Silverado really delivers.
0: It's an incredible vehicle. Brand-new platform. It's a great new truck. It's getting tons of great reviews, so might as well just customize the hell out of it, right?
4: (laughs) Yeah, it it is. And, you know, trucks are, uh, you know, very much a piece of Americana. You know, my dad was a carpenter, and he drove a truck every day of his life. And uh, Americans, you know, we get up, and we go to work, and we work hard, and uh, we we usually use a truck to get there. Uh, Silverado is a great platform. Uh, I mean, we're looking around here. uh, The truck that stole the show uh, Monday night at a press launch was the Cheyenne, which is a lightweight concept. It's a regular cab, Silverado. There's a lot of carbon fiber pieces in it with a 6.2 V8. Car or the trucker that goes zero to sixty in five point three seconds. So uh,
0: it does that stock, or it's been. It's been. Now that's a
4: concept vehicle, but uh, you know, if your listeners really get after us, uh, we'd yeah. love to uh, go to our product planners and say we need. We need a lightweight Cheyenne. Right? A isn't, that how the,
0: isn't that how the Copo Camaro came to be? You were like, if enough people like this thing, we'll do it. You did.
4: Yeah, that's right. You know, Copo's a great example. We've done that with a lot of cars here, and we try to bring concepts to SEMA. Uh, we like to judge the reaction of the media, folks like you, uh, certainly the buyers that come in here. And then, uh, you know, hopefully some of these products will come to market. That's why we do this.
0: Right. You know, on the on the Copo, you guys developed that car, you started racing it, and then you were able to offer the transmissions and offer all the uh, the engines and the supercharged and naturally aspirated engines, the various engines as, as crate engines available to people. Hopefully we can see some of that cool stuff with these trucks as well.
4: Yeah. yeah. And, and the other thing, uh, you know, The accessory side of this business is huge in the truck market. So Chevrolet has an entire line of accessories. You can fold it into the purchasing plan of your new Silverado. Uh, You know, they add a great value to the vehicle, and they're all warrantied by Chevrolet. So accessories is a huge part here. Uh, You touched on the Copo Camaro. That's uh, really uh, dear to my heart. That program's amazing. We hadn't built that car in 40 years. We came back with it two years ago. And for 2014, Copo Camaro's back. We're going to build another 69 of those cars.
0: Now, that car, when when that originally launched, that had a naturally aspirated engine? Because I'm seeing the one over there now with the supercharger with a massive intercooler underneath it, by the way. Yeah, in uh,
4: 2012, we brought it out. There were a couple supercharged engines. They were actually... uh, uh, rather rare. We had some people buy them running super stock. Those cars are running 830s now. Pretty much the way we deliver them. The car that's over right, over there right now, Copo number one for 2014. Ice blue metallic. Uh, there's only going to yeah, be one good. of those made in that color. It is uh, serial number one. We're going to take that car to Barrett Jackson uh-huh. uh, in uh, Scottsdale in January. Uh, Auction it off for a charity that helps Wounded Warriors. Uh, the Achilles Foundation. Yeah, You guys been doing co- that for a long time. Yeah, you know, that's that's a whole other segment you and I should <laughs> talk about. About you know, Chevrolet, GM, I'm really proud to work for this company, very much involved with great charities, and that's that's one of them. So we'll auction that off at Barrett-Jackson. Should go for big money, and someone's going to get a really cool car.
0: Yeah. You know, um, it's a great program, and like you are saying, a lot of that is starting to bleed over into this truck market stuff. I can see the walls full of accessories that you guys have here. So just right in in the dealer, you can go in and you can swap out the grills and and all kinds of accessories for the truck. And then you could probably get crazy with it at some point. Maybe you can get a new performance exhaust. And uh, I'm sure you guys are getting a whole suite of products launched over the next year for that thing.
4: Yeah, you know, our, our Vice President Jim Campbell and my Director Shandor Pisa are really pushing the accessories and the performance parts team to come out with uh, very innovative products. Uh, you know, some of the folks that are uh, familiar with some of the aftermarket products kind of wonder why we don't have a bigger portfolio. Well, the reason is uh, Chevrolet warranties all of this, and there's a whole new line of performance parts out for Camaro. Most of those keep the vehicle warranty intact, like the 1LE suspension, yeah. the ZL1 brakes, the ZL1 shifter, and a performance exhaust. So, I mean, it's like the good old days and you can buy all this right at a Chevrolet dealership.
0: Yeah, so the big brakes that are on, like, the ZL1 and things like that, you'll be able to get into the catalog, buy that, and put that on your Camaro that isn't necessarily the ZL1 the Camaro you bought a few years ago. Yeah, that's, right? Ex-
4: that's exactly right. You could put, uh, you know, you, we take those uh, high-performance variants, we call them, like the Z28, which is over here, yeah. the ZL1, the 1LE, take those parts off, make them available in the catalog and the, the Chevrolet dealership themselves, you can buy a brand-new Camaro, maybe a base SS, put a 1L elite suspension on it, big brakes. Keeps the vehicle warranty intact. You know, that's the holy grail of the aftermarket. Uh, so you can build right. a great car.
0: The, the, the best part about having aftermarket parts, well restyling parts, performance parts, coming from the manufacturer is being able to warranty all those products. And, of course, you can get them right from the dealer, right? and get them all installed from the dealer.
4: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, any Chevrolet dealership is outfitted to do install those parts, and even after the fact, you know, if you've got a 2010 Camaro and you love what we've done with the 1LE and the ZL1, you can start adding those parts, and you can keep the same great Camaro, but add some parts, renew the car, and you know that's what this whole industry is about.
0: Yep. So let's talk about the compact cars. I know you got a handful of them here as well. Yeah, the small
4: cars are uh, really critical to Chevrolet. Uh, Uh, We have not been known for small cars in the past, but right now we are making some incredible product. Uh, I love the new Sonic, uh, probably because that's the first small car that we've come out with a great portfolio of not just accessories, but performance parts. And we're showing them here as a concept. They'll all be available in early 2014. They're the big rim and tire package. There's a suspension kit that'll improve performance around a a road course. There's a a back system, a stage kit with that cold air induction, uh, and a big brake kit. So, those are high performance parts you can get at your Chevrolet dealer, and it makes a Sonic great small car even more fun.
0: That sounds great. So, last but certainly not least, we got to be able to talk about the new Corvette. Uh, You saved
4: the best for last.
0: (laughs) You know, and... Already now, I haven't had a chance to, to drive this car yet. I keep calling the guys. Send one over. Let's put me in it. Let's put Adam in it. Let's take it around the block. Let's drive it for a little send while. Send me a note. We got to make list. this happen. I know we're on let's the get list. Let's a Stingray. Yeah, we definitely want to drive it. And it's such a great performing car already. Everybody else that uh, I'm talking to in the industry loves the car. It's fast. It handles great. It's comfortable. The interior is gorgeous. But here we are in the aftermarket space. How do you make that better?
4: Yeah, well, great question, but. Uh, Corvette has always been a wonderful platform for personalization and customization. There's a couple examples over on the Chevrolet floor space in what we call the Corvette neighborhood. The Gran Turismo is over there. Customized, there's some unique aftermarket parts that some of them are handmade from our guys. Really gives you a futuristic look. Uh, You can play the game uh, very shortly, Gran Turismo 6. And then we've got two others over there, the Atlantic and Pacific. One's a convertible in bright silver, and then there's the red car with stripes. You know, Corvette owners have always found a way to make their Corvette their own. This Stingray just takes it to another level.
0: Yeah. How do you like it? You've been driving it? I I did get a chance
4: to drive a Stingray uh, for 400 miles. Uh, The car was amazing. I I own a 2013 Grand Sport, so I can tell you firsthand what the difference is. I love my Grand Sport. It's a phenomenal car. I will own a Stingray someday very soon. It's an amazing (laughs) piece of equipment. If anything, check out the interior. The interior designers yeah. went above and beyond. This is a car that's, in 20 years, will still have a modern uh, interior. An incredibly rigid chassis, and it's got magnetic ride with the Z Z51 package. Such a great it's such
0: The, mag- the yeah. magnetic ride on everything that you guys released, the Cadillacs and stuff, it's such a great suspension. It's a great technology.
4: Well, and don't forget the LT1, a whole new engine, uh, direct injection, active fuel management. We're showing that engine, the LT1, as a concept over here. So... Very shortly, we'll have that available for all my hot rod friends out there that want a Stingray engine. Yeah, you'll be able to put it on the hood or whatever you want using our harness and controllers.
0: But, but the uh, the cylinder de- deactivation and stuff that that won't be available. Oh, the in guys the crate are going
4: to write that into the program. Really? You'll, you'll have active fuel management, direct injection in any hot rod you want from Chevrolet Performance. Coming soon.
0: Uh, that's pretty awesome. You got some smart guys over there. I think they're not too shabby.
4: <laughs> we like to you know give them a challenge every yeah. once in a while.
0: You know, you, you guys did. Um, Uh, You did a West Coast launch of the C7. Um, Our friends at the Peterson Museum hosted it. And I got a chance to chat with some of the designers and engineers that worked on the C7 Corvette. And when you really take the time to to learn about what's been put into that thing, it's a really amazing car. All all the aero is functional. The the, the vents on the quarter panels, especially on the ZL1 package... I think one of them cools the rear and the other cools the brakes. And they were talking about how they calculate the size of those vents to suck in just the right amount of air. There was sort of a minimum spec that they had. They were really geeking out over there at the Peterson Museum. We loved every minute of it. Yeah, It's
4: an amazing car. Uh, You know, Tom Peters was the lead designer on that. We talked to a number of uh, designers earlier today right here in our space. Uh, Todd Parker, the Dave Ross, and Jason Bliss, they were on stage. And a lot of them really show you the passion that our designers and and you know Tad's Juxer to lead engineer just an incredible job of making their vision of the next Stingray really come to life. Uh you know and again for your listeners, get to a Chevrolet dealership, find a stingray, get just, in the car. You gotta have one. They start at fifty two thousand dollars. That's not a
0: lot for what is really a supercar. Yeah, it's 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 a pretty amazing car. So you guys have a great booth out here. The trucks you have are awesome. We're going to get a bunch of photos because the customized versions are definitely nuts. You have to check them out. And I'm kind of excited about the idea of having an LT1 crate engine.
4: <laughs> I got you with that, didn't I? Hooked <laughs> yeah.
0: you. Yeah. You know, we're, we're the hot rod guys. We love to, to, to build stuff. And and the the technology on the engine side is the one thing that we really want to see i know you guys sort of led the way with the e-rod engines being able to do emissions legal crate engines under warranty that's that's awesome in california as well
4: well yeah and and look we've got new e-rod material over there we're moving into crate powertrain now you know we've done this for a couple years matt with automatic transmissions with all of our harness and controllers now you'll be able to get a Crate powertrain with a manual transmission. Yes, Six-speed, like stick shift. But before you leave, I want to make sure you check out the 78 uh, Silverado over here. That's got a 5.3 E-Rod in it. Without that engine, it couldn't be registered in the state of California. So beautiful car and uh you know some folks out there in the media have ranked that the number one car here at the sema show i want you to make sure you look at it and see We're if you're gonna you go agree. take a look
0: at it because i feel like if you're not jay leno you can't get anything emissions like you can't get that those... oh that's
4: a cheap shot <laughs>
0: <laughs> jay's great but he gets he's always the one that gets that special waiver the deal the handful that they give us in california every year um where uh where can we start looking at some more information about this stuff
4: yeah for the great silverado stingray the sonic camaro go to chevrolet.com you'll find a little performance tab there hit that and it opens up your world to vehicle specific parts accessories and our great line of crate engines and transmissions
0: and of course because you have this huge dealer network we can go into any one of the dealers yeah walk go into, into the, the parts dealer. store yep see what's going on in there on the walls. get
4: to a chevrolet dealer
0: you'll have a good time I'm going right now all right all right Do Do it. Th- thanks jb We're here with Jay Belthoven. That's right, right? i have getting him. the last name you right. Um, and Jack Roush, Jr. I know you guys got some really cool stuff going on. You got a lot of products on the Roush side, but also for the GM and Mopar guys, you've, you've recently acquired and started doing a lot of work with SLP, so we'll get a little bit, we'll get into that as well. But let's start on the Roush side. What's going on new for you guys here?
12: Well, out here we got the EcoBoost uh, cold air intakes and exhaust systems that we unveiled here. We got Focus ST, and we got a new kit for the EcoBoost truck as well, so the F-150 EcoBoost. Okay, so let's talk about the
0: EcoBoost, because that truck is selling like like a madman, right? Like It's really doing well for Ford. It makes sense to start getting in there and hopping it up. What
12: kind of, what products are you offering now for the F-150 EcoBoost? Well, so for the EcoBoost, we have a cold air intake. Um, we also have an exhaust system. Um, that fits that as well as a custom tune um, that complements that cold air intake. So you get about a 50 horsepower increase with that combination.
6: Yeah, that
0: seems pretty significant from from just the tune. And that's the beauty of the turbo engines, right? It's like you can really tweak it a little bit and you can start getting a lot more power out of it. Um, How does it affect the gas? Because that seems to be such a huge selling point for the EcoBoost. Um,
12: Relatively no change.
0: No it should, should be pretty flat. So why didn't they just do this from the factory? Give us 50 more horsepower and not change the not change the MPG.
12: I don't know. I didn't design the factory engine. <laughs> Which is great, right? This is why... No, that's what we specialize in is finding, you know, this unutilized power and taking it to the consumers. So. It plus it allows you guys to sell these parts, right? If they did it from the factory. And yeah. Um, yeah, no, nobody wants it if it doesn't give you anything,
0: right? Yeah. So uh the Focus ST, that's a cool little car. Now, um you and I grabbed a Focus ST at SEMO's MPMC event like last January. Do you remember that? Yep. Yeah. Uh, we were we were like hot dog in the car going out to dinner or something like that. That's right. But getting on the freeway it was it was it's a cool car and it's fast, but there was it it needs it needed a little bit of work, right? It needed a little yes. more power, it had a little bit of wheel hop, it had some things like that. So where are you guys starting on the ST? Um
12: so ST, same thing. We're uh we have a cold air intake for the ST. Um, we also have an exhaust system for the ST, so it sounds a little bit more performance. The Factory one's a little quiet. This yeah, but it's got that cool, it's kind of center exhaust in the does. back. It does. You of know, and ours fits that as well. Um, yeah. We go away from the single tip, and we have a dual round tip setup that comes out the middle.
0: So. Okay. And um, and we we'll have to be able to talk about the uh, the Raptor that's behind us. We'll get some photos of this thing. It's oh, yeah. a monster.
12: Yeah, you're gonna have to take it to the studio. Yeah, you're gonna you're yeah. gonna send us
0: over the Raptor. Yeah. yeah, Adam's gonna love that, by the way. Yeah, he's gonna love. He'll the enjoy Raptor. that in LA. He thinks the Raptor is the uh, it it is the go to car,
12: right? I think it's the go to. It's gotta be. <laughs> it's gotta be. You gotta have yeah, something that you know all the Prius traffic. Yeah, yeah. you gotta have a well, Raptor so out there. The
0: one feature, and, and we'll bring the we'll bring the truck onto the show at some point. But the one feature that I do love, especially in LA, is, is everything we have is parking garages. And you can't get into them with a the big truck. And yep. the, your light bar that's on the roof of this thing folds down. That's it, right. It just But it but does it, is it inside? or a yeah, switch inside? there's a switch inside. It's an oh, uh, actuator
12: the... that pulls the thing down. And then when you're ready to go off-roading and want the big lights, just click the button and... Up it goes and get yeah, I don't on. want to get out of the truck. No. No. Dude, I'd no. never fold it down. If I had to pull yeah. a pin or something, no. I'd be like I would never fold it down. Not to mention you're gonna need
0: a stepladder to get in that truck. Oh yeah. I can, I can barely get in your cars. <laughs> <laughs> and those things are really low. That's right. Uh, um, so uh, Jack Rouse Jr., you've been out there tearing it up on the racetrack. And I understand that uh, we're going to take a look at a new race car that you guys have. You're making some moves.
7: Yeah. Uh, yeah, just here at SEMA, we unveiled our plans for next year. We're switching from Grand Am uh, to the World Challenge. It uh, should be pretty pretty exciting. Uh, different format. Uh, they have uh, standing starts. They travel with IndyCar and uh, also some with NASCAR. So, you know, there's all the, the excitement around that stuff as well. But, yeah should be a lot of fun now is this going to allow you to do different tracks or are you just like why are you making the change are you just bored with grand am or
0: do you want to do something new or is there really a significant change in the vehicle as well
7: uh there's uh actually they're the same race cars uh we're putting wing a wing on the car plus a splitter um you know we were looking to do something different for this year uh, as far as why we changed um You know, Grand Am. We've had a lot of great success there. Uh, I've really enjoyed racing in Grand Am. You know, love the people there. But uh, we did feel, you know, looking at this year, um, as time went on, the rules became harder and harder for us there. And you know, uh, I didn't really see that getting any better. So, you know, that was one big reason. But you know, I I think also the you know shifting stuff up. You know, going to the different format. It'll only be one driver, uh, which'll be more pressure on me. But <laughs> that'll be good.
0: Yeah, you know, I I um uh, I was at the Indy race, uh, uh, maybe a month or so ago in Texas, and uh, well, well, other than the horrific crash, by the way, that was at the Indy race, um, but the uh, uh but the World Challenge cars are there as well they get to get on that track it's really cool to see those cars as well obviously we can identify with those cars more right. as sort of like just just race versions of street cars they're not i know they're purpose built but they're not full two frame chassis and stuff so they're doing some pretty pretty cool stuff um on adapting these cars for that racing program and i think the events are going to be cool i think you'll have a lot more fun like you'll go to the long beach grand prix that's always a great event oh yeah you know, yeah it takes i've never over there. all of
7: long beach yeah You've never raced in the event, or you've never been there at all? Uh, Neither. Really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, when I was growing up, I I traveled with my dad quite a bit when he was doing his road racing stuff, but I never made it to Long Beach, Uh, but... Uh, I use a racing simulator. Simulator, it's called iRacing. Yeah, and uh, it's in there. So I bought that track, and I'm I'm going to be practicing. Okay, well, the simulator is cool and all, but the hospitality suites have lobster, uh, and I ate track lobster, and wow. you're not
0: going to get that in the hosp- in the hospital You're not going to get that in your sim game, right? Right. Well,
7: I could be eating lobster <laughs> while, while I'm while practicing. Playing, yeah, while I'll, you're playing I'll do the simulator that. game. Um, that's cool. So, when does the season start for you guys? Um, at the end of March. Right. Yeah, and that, that'll be it. Are you ready uh, to go? Uh, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah? It'll be good. Um, we're going to take a look at the car. You have, you have your race car here. I have my track car here that's wrapped to look like the race car, but it's, uh, that's one of the things that we unveiled. It's a completely new look to our racing program. Actually, Jay uh, is the guy who designed that. He did an awesome job. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Because he texted me a picture, and I told him it looked like candy. <laughs> it, it's, it does. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, which is great, because I think it's going to stand out and look great on the track. And I, uh, you're going to be driving the car out here, right? Yeah. Which is kind of nuts. So anybody that's, that, of course, is not at SEMA, there's a track set up out front in the parking lot, and you're just going to go out there and tear up this guy's parking lot. Drift and run around, and I think there's trucks out there too jumping. I don't know if they're going to jump over you, but it seems like there's not a lot of space for a a lot of speed and action that's going to be happening out there. But
7: right, yeah, I'm not really a drifter. Uh, You know, I road race, but you know, I'm just having having fun out there. Okay, well, maybe we'll get out there and uh, and jump in the car because I think that'll be kind of fun to do. Sounds good. Bring Um, a helmet.
0: Oh, bring a helmet. Eh, I'm fine. We trust you. We're good. Uh, So. Jay, let's talk a little bit about SLP. This is yeah. this is new for
12: Roush. You guys recently bought this company, and it's going to allow you to get into a market far beyond Ford. Yep. Yeah, so SLP um, started off synonymous with GM back in the 80s, um, and it was really big with Trans Am and Camaro. Um, and same thing throughout the, the mid-'90s. Um, they built all the Camaro SSs and the Firehawk WS6s for GM. Um, You know, and then Camaro went away, and they focused primarily on aftermarket parts. So that's where we're at with that. So now we have a brand that is a sister company to Roush, where Roush is all Ford. Um, This allows us to go work with General Motors, Chrysler. um, And, you know, it's really American muscle is still the theme behind that brand. Yeah.
0: Uh, Well, I think the real benefit is to, to consumers is... Roush is by far one of the one of the best engineering testing yeah. companies that's out there for for aftermarket parts, and I know the aftermarket parts division is probably very small compared to you know the Roush group as a whole, it is, right? right? So, um, but to be able to take all of the engineering and the in-house testing and the level of quality that you guys have been doing on the Roush cars yep. and the, the trucks and start applying that to the GM yeah. and Mopar market, I think it's going to be kind of cool. Exactly, and, and I think I know you guys
12: are already working. All your same engineers are d- doing all these are. supercharger yep. packages. and Yeah, so for the last six months, we've been... Uh, Involved in going through the catalog and just evaluating what's already in existence, making, you know, adjustments to it just to meet our standards and meet our, you know, our quality requirements. Um, we also have a bunch of new products that we're coming out with. So we have um, a new supercharger for the 2014 GM's truck line. So GM, Chevrolet, and yeah, gm Yeah, the new two.
0: Silverado. Yeah, which right? has... Which is a- hot truck, right? It is. They're putting so much behind that. It yeah. makes sense to just...
12: And they're all over the show. Attacking I mean, there's, thing. there's no less than 50 of them here. So um, the interesting thing with that is that's a direct injection motor. So we had to revise a lot of the intake manifold for that. Um, and that'll be out here within the next probably six months. We'll have kits available to the public. Yeah, so I've
0: been wondering... what. Uh, what are the effects of some of the technology that's happening at the OE level, like direct injection mm. and cylinder deactivation? Yep. And, and how does that play into the tuning and, and, and it, you know, the major upgrades, like putting a supercharger package on a non-supercharged
12: yeah. engine that has cylinder deactivation and stuff like that? Yeah, it's, you know, it's a big thing. I mean, especially with the calibration on this stuff. Um, and it presents a lot of problems, even with the hardware. So all the direct injection, instead of having the the fuel injectors on the outside of the, the intake they're all on the inside of the cylinder yeah you know the head valley there the intake valley um, where we normally put our intercooler so but that can all has you to swap change. out the injectors on a direct injection motor because most supercharger
0: kits come with upgraded fuel injectors you got to put more fuel into it right how, do, how does that work
12: uh, that's a good question I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am not the fuel system expert, so yeah. well, so I don't that's know. Right. Um, I can tell you about the blower and stuff, but that's right. right. You can
0: tell me how much power yeah, it makes. Yeah, yeah. you know, Jason marketing. Come on, we can yeah. Figure that out. Guys, Jason the marketing side. Come on. I
12: can turn a wrench. That's right. He's like,
0: it looks cool. It has yeah. 150 horsepower, and come on. it's a pretty good price. But you're gonna have to
12: call our nerd herd <laughs> on that deal, right? <laughs> yeah. Come on, we got the crew yeah. in the back who's staring All right, at the we're screens. We're gonna have to go figure that out at some point. They're pocket protectors. No, you know. I mean, look at the answers.
0: The injectors for direct injection yeah. are, are extremely high pressure, they right? Are. More so than yep. than what's in sort of a rail system, right? I don't yep. know what else. to call it a conventional fuel injection system. Exactly. So I'm curious to know. Maybe you could just put more pressure through it, and it's less of an yeah, issue than...
12: I, yeah, I really don't know. I, You know, I wish I did, but... <laughs> okay, <laughs> thanks, well... Thanks for blinding me with that question, <laughs> Matt. Good uh, job. Awesome. But yeah, these guys are <laughs> roush. Jeez.
0: Um... Well, I'm excited about seeing the new stuff, yeah. and uh, definitely excited about getting the uh, oh yeah for sure. Roush over. You know, you saw the you saw our video that we did um, oh, with yeah with your Roush stage yep. three. And if, if, if anybody missed that, go back. We did a great track video. That's right. Um, with your, uh, your Blue Roush Stage 3 Mustang. Yep. And then uh, then we had Christopher Titus come in and talk about the car with me, and they had a great time. He was really into it, man. He came in with notes, he
11: was so prepared. He it's loved awesome. the car. I know.
0: And uh, he, it's like he knew more shit about it than I did when I, when I walked in there, and I've been driving it for a week. That's um, great. So we had a lot of fun with that car, and now I'm addicted to it. And now we're going to start talking about doing a project together, I think. We've yeah, got our, our Mustangs going. Which I know that people are, are excited about. I'm excited about, at least. Okay, yeah. um, So hopefully we can work with you guys and doing something with that. Um, where can we find out some more information about the Roush stuff, the okay. SLP
12: stuff? So Roush stuff, uh, go to RoushPerformance.com. Um, everything's up online there. Uh, we also have a consumer website that you can uh, purchase stuff right online as well.
0: Yeah, you guys have a great online store, by yeah, the way. Yeah, and
12: then from the SLP side, go to SLPOnline.com, and that's... Uh, It'll have all the information on the new Chrysler Hemi blowers and the GM blowers and all that stuff. So, uh, it sounds great. I'm excited yeah. about it, and we're going to see you guys outside with your race yeah. car. And then, hey, we launched a new website for Jack's Racing as well. So oh yeah, that's Go
7: ahead, It's at uh, RoushRoadRacing.com. RoushRoadRacing.com. Yeah, it's a pretty simple site right now, but we're going to be doing a lot more with it. That's right. You're not you're not racing until
0: March, so you got right. you got a little bit of time to beef it up. Yeah. Um, awesome. Take we're gonna um, take a look at that. Good luck at the racing season. We're gonna see you out in a couple races for sure.
12: Yeah, that's right. We need Mangria to sponsor that car too, by the way, Matt. Yeah, yeah, we need Mangria
0: to sponsor a lot of stuff. The problem <laughs> is is we sell a lot of bottles and it's really tough to get people to pay their bills. Oh no, um, that's all good. Um, but we're but that's we're having a lot of fun with that as cool. well. Yeah, good deal. I, you know, I always get weird about having a, a really high alcohol content companies sponsor <laughs> racing, like Come of all on. the sports racing, uh, because we're trying to get to do Adam's vintage racing stuff. And even then, I'm like, should we be putting booze on the side of the race trailer? I'm like, why not? Yeah, let's do it. We're Come gonna do on, it. Why not, <laughs> guys? Thank you so much. Hey, thanks again. Here with uh, Chris Douglas from Comp Performance Group. Chris, it's always great to see you. You guys are so far away from us that this is like this event and the MPMC event. in January is the only time we get to chat face to face. But um, uh, the Comp Performance Group uh, makes. Awesome products, and I know we've been out here before, but give us a quick recap of of the brands you guys have and sort of the focus for the group.
10: Well, we could probably go on all day if we (laughs) want to go through all the brands, but let's talk about the ones that are out here at the SEMA show this year and uh, the ones that we're kind of debuting some new product for, and that's CompCams. Of course, that's the centerpiece of our group. Uh, It's the company that kind of, the whole group revolves around FAST, which is Fuel Air Spark Technology, has some great new products. RHS Racing Head Service, TCI Auto, those are the staple, the the four that we're really keen on out here at
0: 2013 SEMA Show. Okay, so let's talk about some of the new stuff for the Comp Cams line of it. Yep.
10: Probably the uh, the real noteworthy product uh, from a street performance standpoint is a conical valve spring. Everybody knows traditional valve springs are kind of look like a cylinder shape. Yeah. Okay. Well, then all of a sudden the technology moved back about, I guess it was eight, ten years ago, to a beehive shape. Well, now there's another step forward, and it's a conical shape. It looks like a cone, kind of like a Christmas tree shape. And what that means for your engine is it's less mass, less weight up at the top of the spring. When that thing compresses, there's less moving mass. So uh, you get extended RPM range. Uh, because of the shape, it also, the way the wire is spun in the, in the shape, uh, it puts more material where all the stress is. So that means less heat, less uh, braking wire material. Bottom line, your car is going to make more power. The springs are going to last longer, and you can get more aggressive on the camshaft.
0: What's interesting is, is the, it looks like it's a smaller spring because of that conical shape compared to the traditional spring, but it's really not.
10: Yeah, it's amazing. You know, with these innovations in valve spring technology, what an application that used to need a lot of spring pressure now you can get by with a lot less because it's just through the shape of the spring we're controlling the valve so much better than we
0: used to be able to. Right. So the other issue that I think often gets overlooked is the valve spring moves so quickly, it generates a lot of heat. If you take a paper clip and you bend it back and forth real fast three or four times right before it breaks, you feel how hot it gets. Now, this design has to be able to—I know one of the focuses was to reduce heat, control heat a little bit better—
10: Yeah, and it puts the material to where the most amount of stress is. So, uh, you know, if you've got a high-stress area, it makes sense to put the the thickest material there because it absorbs and diffuses those stresses. Uh, I would challenge anyone, if you've never seen high-speed footage of a a valve spring actually running on an engine, go to our website, go to YouTube, and just, uh, you know, type in high-speed valve spring footage and watch it it's amazing it looks like a old slinky going
0: down a staircase or something How, do you, do you test it in an engine or or do you test it on like a like a high speed compressor like a manual compressor
10: all of the above you know we've got so high just... speed video equipment that they can actually run it on what we call a spintron machine it basically spins the engine just like it's uh,
0: running uh, there's just no combustion process right so Now, I, the Spintron machine, correct me if I'm wrong, this is something that, that you guys have been using for a little while now that I thought was kind of cool because I saw some photos of it. And, you know, you guys do valve train components, and it's so tough to figure out what's going on in there. So the the Spintron uses, like like, laser cameras, and mm-hmm. it's an engine block that has holes drilled into it and these little tiny, like, spy cameras piped through the engine block so you can get right up close with a laser on the on the valve springs and other components and you could see what's happening. Like can you actually see where the tip of a roller rocker goes on the top of of a valve and and see if it moves around and
10: the whole motion pattern actually, you know, when it's at full lift and when it's uh, resting, you know, you you get the whole sweep. It really is some pretty cutting-edge stuff. And, of course, that all comes from our high-end race business. Those guys can afford to do all that (laughs) testing and pay for it. The nice part, as a street customer, is with uh, comp cams, you're going to get the benefit of all that work that we do on the race side.
0: Yeah. Yeah, And I know we're getting kind of really on the geeky side of this, but that's the part that I really kind of love. And I know you've got a bunch of other new products, but one thing that you guys have been pushing – on the consumer side is the four-pattern cam. Is yep, that right? That's correct. And, and this is something you guys have been doing in the race side of things for a long time. How is it now just getting into the consumer? Or is it just because the race teams are like, you can go ahead and let our secret go?
10: Well, there's a couple things that changed to allow that to kind of come down to the street level. And that was... NASCAR, which was really the, uh, the, the kind of breeding ground for that technology, they switched over to EFI a few years ago. Okay, yeah. so it, this technology is really catered and centers around carburetors and unequal distribution and runners. So when they made the switch to EFI, those guys were less concerned about the technology getting yeah. out. The other thing is they have to be produced on CNC machines. Unfortunately, uh, most cam grinders in the world, they still use old manual Burko machines. So uh, even at CompCams, up until a few years ago, we were still very heavy on Burko manufacturing. Well, now we have enough CNC uh, capacity to be able to handle the volume to make those cams. And that's a huge
0: investment. Each one of those machines is a couple hundred thousand dollars. That's right.
10: Right? That's right. Our our owners, they, uh, they cringe every time they have to write that check. But it's what we have to do to stay on the cutting edge. You know, it's just like anything in the world. As we develop, people have higher and higher standards of what they expect to come out of that box. And it's our
0: job to be sure we're meeting and pushing that forward. So and then and then the four pattern cam for for guys that might not know what that is is if you look at the typical intake manifold you got your carburetor on your top and then the the rear cylinders and the front cylinders you notice that the runners from the carburetor to the cylinders are longer than the ones that are in the middle that are really short and the four pattern cam essentially changes probably duration, not really left, right?
10: Yeah, valve timing. It's tuning the valve timing for the flow characteristics of the longer versus the shorter cylinders. I mean, traditionally, if if you tune around the shorter cylinders, well, then you're going to be out of tune for the longer cylinders and vice versa.
0: Yeah, so this hopefully solves that problem. And right off the bat, most engines are probably picking up, you know, 5, 10, 18, yeah, I mean, 20 horsepower. We see gains just...
10: up to anywhere from 5 to 20, depending on how bad the manifold is and yeah. how unequal the distribution is. Um, but the other thing, when we rolled out the four-pattern cams, it was also a brand new low-profile series. So uh, a lot of guys are seeing some just, it, you know, hydraulic rollers have always kind of hit a glass ceiling to where they could only spin up to a certain RPM and that was all they would do. Well, now with the new lobe designs stuff we're seeing those things go a thousand rpms higher than they were able to do previously
0: yeah okay so now let's talk about fuel injection and the retrofit fuel injection market is getting huge i'm a big fan of the fast products your mm-hmm. fuel air spark technology i've actually gone out to some of your uh i don't know what you call it like the whole instructional class yep on how to tune fast and stuff i'm just kind of a nerd that way that's how i spend my weekends by the way is i go learn efi computer programming <laughs> with the guys from fast and comp cams um, So you've got some new retrofit fuel injection type of systems that are available.
10: That's right. And you alluded to this, but that category is really blowing up right now. You know, you've got all the major manufacturers that are kind of vying for that. I guess the key point I would make about the fast stuff is that, Uh, this is not new for us. We've been in the EFI business for quite some time. We're not new to the party. Uh, When it comes to the the self-tuning systems, uh, you know, we've been at that game for five years now. Uh, We're on kind of version two, so we've already learned a lot of lessons. We've rolled them into EZFI 2.0. We've got two great options on the self-tuning, EZFI, the original, and then EZFI 2.0. The big difference is depending on how aggressive your engine is, how much horsepower it makes, that's going to steer you into one system
0: or the other. You know, the, um, these, these EFI conversions, you basically have a throttle body and an injector package that sits right on top of of the uh, carburetor pad on your manifold. You just swap out the carburetor, you put this on there. You don't need a drill for injectors. Um, and what's cool about it now is that self-tuning. I mean, yeah. like you were saying before, the technology was essentially there. Injectors aren't really new. Right. You know, it's all in the programming. So you can basically grab your, the handheld tuner, you don't need a laptop, you grab your handheld tuner, you put in some engine parameters, size, eight cylinders, six about cylinders. six questions, I that's mean, it. it's easy. I and mean, then it starts to learn while you drive. That's right. And this yeah. is the beauty of the O2 sensors and how much information you can pull from it. It's almost like the modern cars today. You plug in this this tuner into your OBD2 port underneath the dash. You get so much data from that. And like 90% of that data is just coming from the sensors on the engine and the O2 sensors. So you guys can pull all of that into your own computer programming and just... Have you guys tested your self-tuning, like the self-learning versus... Somebody trying to dial in the carburetor as best they can. Absolutely, yeah. How did did it go? Did you you guys get the old standard standard rule
10: of thumb was that the carburetor would always make a little more power up on the very top end. That's gone today. The self tuning is it's just as smart. It can respond quicker than the human can tune it. And you know the nice thing about it is take it a thousand feet elevation change or something up the mountain and it's gonna adjust and you don't have to touch it you don't have to touch it and it starts up the first time every time there's no pumping and think and about it's the traditional hot rod guy he doesn't drive his car every day you know it's something that he, he goes out maybe uh once a month he goes out there the guy doesn't want to sit there and tune on the car but he wants to turn the thing over he wants it to crank up he wants to go enjoy the car that's why we build these things so If we have a problem in this industry is we love to overcomplicate things. You know, there's a lot (laughs) of brilliant people in this industry. And, and, you know, as engineering type minds, they love to to overcomplicate things. And when we finally started listening to the customer, they said, look, we just want something that is as simple as a carburetor, but it gives us the modern conveniences of a late model car. The technology was all there. It was just a matter of packaging and figuring
0: out how to do it in a very simple way. Now, are you seeing uh, an, an increase in MPGs? Like, if you if you take the same exact engine, same cam, same exact parameters, and all you're doing is pulling off the carburetor and adding your fast, yep. easy fuel injection, is there an improvement in, in gas mileage?
10: Absolutely. And of course, you know, from a, um, a legal standpoint, we're very careful not to make any specific claims, but I can tell you that the customers report to us 10 to 20 percent is, that happens every day.
0: Yeah. That's significant. That's, that's huge. That's huge. Yeah, I mean, right?
10: especially I had a guy yesterday that came up, and he uh, had put one on his RV. You know, it was an old carbureted yeah. RV that he drives a lot. I mean, think about that guy. He's spending a fortune on gas going across the country, and that is big money to him.
0: Yeah, so we're, st- we're sitting here in your booth, we're doing this interview, and you've got the parts behind us you got a table with just roller rockers sitting on it, and everybody that walks by has to play with them. Yeah. You have to pick them up and play with them. It's the weirdest thing. <laughs> you know, as a car guy, you cannot walk by all the shiny yeah. stuff and not pick it up and, and play around with it. But, but what's cool about it is, is you just threw a bunch of them on a table. There's no right. like special display. No. There's no handles to pull. You're like, let's just, let's just put them on a table. And how many? How many end up disappeared by the end of the week?
10: A few. We we come out here knowing that there's going to be a few that a walk deal. off. But uh, you know, it's kind of like throwing candy on the floor and telling a, a line full of kindergartners you got to walk by without touching them. It's yeah. not happening, right?
0: Um, it's it's <laughs> it's funny to see. Um, okay, so now we've got you've got TCI, and uh, I I think one of the coolest products that you've had in recent years is the six speed automatic paddle shift transmission. And what's cool about how you do that, and I'm sure you've got new stuff here, but mm-hmm. this is the one I'm geeking out about yeah. on, because you basically take the four-speed transmissions and you create a six-speed paddle shifter through the the calibration and the tuning, the electronic control mm-hmm. of it, you can actually make it That's act right. like a six-speed, but the internals aren't a lot different is that right
10: yeah the, all the internals are 100 percent tci you basically take the the factory 4l 80 case and uh that's a, about the last uh, remaining piece that's factory after that you know everything inside is 100 tci built but you're and not physically adding two more gears now, there are some, yeah, there's physically some gears being added, and then some of it's done through the electronics side of it as well. But uh, So that's a product that we rolled out, I guess, about a year and a half, two years ago now. It's been wildly successful. There's other great things coming that uh, I'm looking forward to talking about on that side coming soon. You know, one of the things I want to be sure I mention on TCI TCI has been around 46 years, so it's it's a staple in this industry. A lot of people know it as an old-school drag race transmission company. The message we're trying to get out here is that, you know what, TCI is kind of having a rebirth, if you will. The 6X was part of that. That's a very modern transmission. You know, it, it can go in anything from a late-model Camaro old to a 69 Camaro, In um, in what we came here with are two very modern torque converters uh, for the 4L60 transmission and the 6L80. Uh, TCI is starting fresh. They've got great engineering now that's focused on taking that brand into the future. It's not your grandfather's old drag race transmission company.
0: Yeah. Now those those transmissions that you talked about those are more modern transmissions what cars are those in right now so people know the vehicle applications so
10: brand new camaro if you go buy one on the showroom right now we have a converter for it that's one of their big products that we have here this weekend uh if you've got anything pretty much with an ls engine uh the 4l 60 transmission's probably behind about 70 percent of those vehicles
0: now and and i'm gonna put you on the spot here are you guys going to start uh, getting into the new LT-1? You know, it's funny you ask that. The flipping,
10: flipping back over to the comp brand, up on that front table, we have LT-1 camshafts here. Alrighty. We did some early development with the race program at GM, so... When, when they announced that, we already had performance cams for it, so.
0: it. It's good to be the king of that of that group, right? When you're in the valve train market, you, all the racing, you, you get to be able to, to, to get ahead of the game. People are like, yeah, in a year from now, I think we might have yeah. some, some hot LT1 products.
10: I mean, we're obviously way ahead of the curve from the general public standpoint as far as modifying those cars in any kind of real numbers. Uh, but that's where we want to be. We want to be sure that we keep comp on that front uh, kind of cutting edge. And you know the
0: market will get there. Uh, they'll they'll be cracking into those engines before you know it. Yeah, and you know, and what, back to TCI when you're talking about those torque converters. I drove the uh, the ZL1 Camaro, an insane amount of horsepower, really cool car. But with that automatic transmission, it it didn't really feel like a fast car to me. And I know there needs to be some sort of compromise on its drivability for the masses versus how you know, how much power it will actually put to the ground, how hard it shifts. And people I I spoke to were were kept saying, well, you know, we can add more power to the engine and we can do this and we can do that to it. But it was none of that. It's the torque converter. Yeah. Because I I, I don't know if it was you who was telling me or maybe it was Brian Reese, your guy. um, But once you guys were developing your torque converter and you swapped that thing out, it just started tearing up. It just started tearing up. It was like a complete night and day difference, right? Yeah, it is. Dollar for dollars, changing
10: out the torque converter is probably the best performance upgrade in the whole show. I mean, just from a seat-of-the-pants feel, uh, what it does to the performance that you feel behind the steering wheel, a torque converter it gets it done. I mean, it's, it's amazing. in that car in particular... You know, when, when you get on one of those cars and really get down on it, you feel a little bit of shudder, a little bit of lag in there, and that's the torque converter. I mean, the factory has to build those things to live. That's their number one goal. Right. And they've actually detuned the whole drivetrain because they they uh, want to be sure that it doesn't tear up. You know, we have uh, different goals in mind when it comes to building parts. We're trying to make something, sure, it's got to last, but we got to make it perform. That's that's their number one goal.
0: Yeah. And another... a a big step on the torque converters that you were developing, I think for that car specifically as well, is this isn't the conventional torque converter that you pull out and it's got the weird little bumps on it. And then, like, this is a multi-piece, billet, rebuildable. is a multi-disc. It's got lock-up clutch in there. So
10: again, the the torque converter business is changing because all these little mom-and-pop torque converter shops, it takes some real engineering to go in and build a torque converter for a 6L80 transmission. You don't just go in there and try and air and start bending fins around and get a good product so uh, we really had to be sure that that we were staffed up from an engineering standpoint that we knew what the marketplace wanted uh, again it's just part of the overall rebirth of TCI we've got a new logo that we're rolling out to kind of signify that you'll see that more and more over the next couple years
0: it's really a cool deal um, it sounds awesome is there anything else here that we missed there's all kinds of cool stuff. you know, <laughs> know we can go on for hours, We right? could.
10: We could. We can go on for hours. The big thing I want to do, anyone out there listening, if you ever get the chance to come to the SEMA show, you've got to take advantage of it. I mean, there's not a more cool event, uh, not a better place in the world to be if you're a car guy. Come on out. Join us next year. Take a look at all these cool new products. And, of course, if you need any information on uh, any of the Comp Performance
0: Group brands, compperformancegroup.com. You can get to all the websites from there. Chris, thank you so much. I am going to go and uh, play with some of the stuff you guys got out here to some of the Valentine components. I promise not to walk off with anything. Good deal. I know where you live. We'll come get it. <laughs> I know you do. Thanks. Well, that wraps up our interviews for, uh, for the 2013 SEMA show. I want to thank everybody that uh, took the time to do interviews with us. Some of the amazing cars, you guys got to check out that photo gallery of the Ring Brothers car, Steve Stropes Camaro. Really, really cool stuff. And thanks to the guys at Roush for giving this incredible ride-along. Out here in the front of the SEMA show, in the parking lot, basically, Jack Roush Jr. is drifting his his new uh, World Challenge Mustang, which is awesome to do. Actually, Chris... Chris Laxamana went for a ride as well. You're going to have to ask him about that because I think um, I think he's in the bathroom throwing up right now after that ride. Check out our website at carcastshow.com. And, of course, our Facebook page for the huge photo gallery at facebook.com slash carcastshow. And uh, until next time, this is Motorator Matt. Keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel.